This is a Hot Pie Media Original. Welcome to Overcome with Justin Wren. I am your host, Justin Wren, and I'm looking over at my beautiful girlfriend partner who I plan on marrying, Amy, the producer of the show. And wow, do we have, and wow, what a view I have. But oh, thanks, <laughs> if you're not watching on YouTube, you might because of her. I've got long lady hair, but she's she's the beautiful <laughs> lady in the podcast. This episode today with RJ Mitty, I think is spectacular. It is spectacular. It's awesome. He's R- hilarious. He is. And inspiring. Incredibly inspiring and incredibly hilarious. You're right. Mm-hmm. He's charming. He's handsome. And boy, has he overcome a lot in his life. And he shared that. In he, his, I mean, he's not very old. He's like 30, 29. 29. Mm-hmm. And he's the one was one of the lead actors on Breaking Bad, the hit series. He's the son, Walter White Jr., who started going by Flynn on the show. And I am a fan of who he is as a human being. I'm also a big fan of who he is as an actor. He's taking leading roles in Hollywood. Um, and he has a challenge that he was born with uh, in cerebral palsy. But he talks about how... Um, how did he say it? That it's a choice. That well, he uh, said, "Can't is a choice." Can't you know? is a choice. Having that attitude and yeah, his and attitude was never that he can't right do something. And I love that because mm-hmm. if he didn't have that attitude, he wouldn't have the opportunities that he's had in Hollywood and in making an impact. I mean, this guy's gone on speaking tours and been in so many schools about anti-bullying and his perspective there was actually something really inspiring. He's had his hand broken by bullies. And he had to take care of his family. Yeah, he did. Mm-hmm. He's had to take care of his From a sister, young sister. A young age. Uh, mm-hmm. Stepped up in a big way mm-hmm. as a father figure. He's um, lost his father uh, due to illness. And he is a man that really steps up, rises above the challenges, rises to the occasion and overcomes. He, he's a guy that does rise up and overcome. And he's really cool. He's really cool. I mean, yeah. we went to, to to dinner with him after the podcast. We did. One of the coolest things uh, that we got to do with RJ is when he moved, he moved to Texas. He lives here now, lives in South Texas. And he drove up for this. And I said, what about us doing a live recording, which is our show's first live recording. It was kind of our launch to friends, family, donors. And we did it at a a local spot here, Native Hostel, in a really cool room. And man, Hot Pie stepped up. Hot Pie, who who produces this podcast, our network, Hot they, Pie Media, Hot Pie Media, mm-hmm. they donated uh, so that we could have that space, or they covered that cost, so that it could be a hundred percent a fundraiser. One donor that wasn't even able to make it donated five thousand dollars, over five thousand, which was so cool. And so this event itself raised over $5,000 for Fight for the Forgotten. We had eight people come, at least from out of state, that drove from Oklahoma, where Fight for the Forgotten is headquartered out of. We had Raiden, who, if you watch the Jared episode on YouTube, Jared Padalecki, you'll see the first story. We're going to insert the second story into this podcast. Him, his family came, and the day before the podcast, him and I sparred together. He came to the show and uh, it was really awesome. We also had Justin Brown, the sec- secretary, Justin Brown, who's one of my 
one of my best friends. He's been an incredible impact. On, uh, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. I mean, because of him, Fight for the Forgotten never paid rent. He donated office space to us, and then he became the director of human services, takes care of the foster care kids. Anyways, he was a guest. In Oklahoma. In Oklahoma. Yes. The foster care kids there, the disabled, the elderly. He takes care of over one million Oklahomans, and he's changing the game there because he's so compassionate. And uh, anyways, this this episode, to have those people in the room, my mom, my grandma, Amy, her daughter, Sydney. Uh, and hot pie, hot pie in the room. It was a beautiful um, space too at Native Hostel. It was. And so, I mean, I'm so happy that hot pie sponsored this for us, and yeah. for your show. It was really, it was really special. It was really special. We had some, some, some Q and A from the audience, which was, we had some mocktails. We had some mocktails on it, <laughs> donated, uh, or sent over a bunch of stuff in Sands Bar, which I didn't know about until this event. I didn't know about it either. Yeah, it's a completely sober bar, I think on 6th Street or 10th Street. And uh, he had Chris, like non-alcoholic gin, I non-alcoholic know. vodka. I had no and idea I there was like, zero I didn't know that proof. Yeah, he, need, he had bourbon that. that he was putting mm-hmm. in there. And it was so good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I he gave me a nada colada or something like that. Mm-hmm. And when I had it, though, I felt like it had rum in there. And I looked at him. And he goes, oh, no. Hey, brother. Like, it's not. I thought I was getting getting tipsy. And uh, he's like, no, this isn't or that I was going to get tipsy. And uh, like our dog's name. <laughs> but it was awesome to have everyone show up. Uh, people from on it. Primal Swolger, if you don't follow him, he's an incredible guy. Juan, my, my trainer at on it, uh, tried to get in. But uh, anyways, it was an awesome thing. We had so many people there. The room was completely packed out. The chairman of my board of Fight for the Forgotten was there. But really, what I want to highlight is that we raised over $5,000. We couldn't have done that without Hot Pie Mm-mm. sponsoring this event. Um, and it was super funny. It was incredibly funny. And RJ had us laughing and rolling Talking about really hard stuff, I think that's that shows someone that one is super intelligent, two is super resilient, that he can make some of his most challenging times humorous. And then he had us rolling even at the restaurant afterwards. He did. And can I just, you're going to laugh because I just have to say this to your listeners and like tell people that uh, there was tableside guacamole on the menu. There was. And And if you're a Breaking Bad fan, you know the tableside guacamole scene and it was very tense and they didn't order it. And I was like, I'm not going to sit here with a star of Breaking Bad and not order tableside guacamole. And I ordered it and I was so (laughs) pleased and it just made me laugh all the way home. And RJ appreciated it too. I was like, hey, dude, I ordered this. And he was like, yes, of course. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) So, yeah. How cool was he? He was just one of the the realest people to to give his time like that. He grew up in a family that was very philanthropic. They have a family foundation. And for him to come out and support my foundation, it meant a lot. They have a big foundation right here in Austin, too, which I didn't even know about, which is very cool. So we're going to see how we can get involved in that. They want to see how they can get involved with us. And I mean, he was even talking about space travel and that the next thing is space mining through like, I don't know, satellite drones. When we talked about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, that where they're going to be taking silver and gold off of uh, asteroids and, and things like that. And I'm like, what? He's just blowing my mind with how smart he was, even with like aerospace stuff. Um, I don't even know the right terminology. I don't, don't either. But uh, he was blowing my mind, Brigham's mind of ways to well, who came out with us to, to, to lunch and who's helping me get healthy. 
So anyways, get ready. Buckle up, Buttercups, because this is going to be an incredible episode. I'm so glad you joined us. Thank you, Onnit, for sponsoring the show. Thank you, Hot Pie, for sponsoring the event that raised over $5,000 for Fight for the Forgotten. Thank you, RJ, for being our guest and for blowing me away, Amy away. Mm-hmm. And, and thank you uh, to the team that helped put on the event. At yeah, Sons Easy Bar. Does It. And then Easy Does It. Yeah. Evan and Drew. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. They helped a lot. And Native Hostel. Yes, Native Hostel. This was incredible. Uh, I hope that it sounds really good. It was hysterical. And uh, I encourage you to watch this on YouTube as well. Please follow or subscribe wherever you listen and watch your podcast. Please catch up on the other episodes because those have been uh, incredible. They've been incredible. And stick around to the end because we're going to talk about this Mike Tyson painting a little bit, aren't we? Yeah, I I think we should. Yeah, Uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And just a little bit of news there at the end. So stay stay till the end. Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Yeah. Enjoy the show. Thank you. And I just want to say a huge thank you to you all for being here today. Um, we're, we're so excited to do this and a huge thank you right now and shout out to our sponsors. Um, on it for providing all of the drinks and Chris for making them. And of course, hot pie media for sponsoring this event today in this beautiful listening room. Thank you so much. Give it up. Yeah. Thank you so much. And thank you to Evan and your entire team, Drew, you've been so welcoming and so easy to work with. And we're super, super grateful. And thanks everybody for showing up today because today is the official launch of the Overcome podcast, Overcome with Justin Wren. And so I'm going to throw it to Justin right now. Give it up for Justin Wren. Hey, thank you. Well, I really appreciate that all y'all are here uh, in Austin today. There's, and looking around this room, I'm really incredibly grateful. Uh, There's doctors and people that help people through therapy and people that believe in podcast and helping those grow and expand. There's some miracle stories in the room. Um, there's supporters of mine, long, long time supporters from my shoulder surgeon and now chairman of, uh, fight for the forgotten's board, my executive director that's been with us for 10 years. Um, there's just a lot of people, hot pie media who, uh, is helping me launch this podcast and they sponsored today's room so that Anyone who uh, wants to donate, 100% of that goes to the cause. Um, on it as well, our first sponsor with the mocktails out front, um, Justin Brown, the director of Oklahoma's DHS, taking care of over a million Oklahomans uh, from people that are disabled or, or elderly and uh, foster care kiddos. Uh, he's got a compassionate heart and really helps people facing poverty um, help them overcome uh, Brigham, you know, you helped me with my health and stem cells. So many people ways to well. So, uh, helping me Joe Rogan, our health, but this podcast, I really want it to help people overcome. I want this to be one of the most meaningful podcasts in all the world today. Our first, um, episode that actually is live on Apple and Spotify and YouTube and everywhere you can find podcast, uh, is a guy named Nick Santanastasso. Uh, he's, is a self-proclaimed unicorn is how he describes himself. Uh, he was born without legs, um, only one arm and one finger on that arm. And he is one of the most incredible people I've ever known. He's one of our supporters of fight for the forgotten. So when you guys get home, you can check that out, uh, as we're at our live recording. But Nick has said some incredible things to me, but he flips tires, uh, works out with Dwayne, the rock Johnson, 
speaks before Tony Robbins, anywhere Tony Robbins speaks, he he's, he's getting Nick to come in and speak. And one of the things Nick has always told me and exemplified is like, man, he's, he's a normal, he's a normal dude. Um, and he, he says the greatest disability is a bad mindset. I thought that he was a great first guest. And then all of a sudden I was able to meet our guest today that we get to do the live recording in front of. And that's RJ Mitty. And RJ, if you would like to come sit over with us, I would love for you to join us. Let's give him a warm welcome. Yeah. This is my first time doing a live podcast, my man. So. Hey, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you a hug. Oh, thank you, man. Appreciate you being here. No, um, my pleasure. Yeah. And you're an inspiration to me, brother. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you all. I mean, it's such a pleasure to be here today. And, and thank you all for, for being here as well. Um, you know, I, I've been I've been following what you do and, and the impact that you have in many people's lives and 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 this group that you've you've put together that keeps surrounding you. And I, I think you're doing amazing things for a lot of people. So it's a it's definitely a pleasure to be here. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. I'm, I'm humbled. I'm honored that you would say that. Um, we've had a lot of incredible uh, supporters along the way. And um, yeah, I've. I've just thinking about it or around here, I mean, this, this is about you and we're going to get to your story, but I, I'm blown away when you say that because you know about our story and we've had donors from all 50 states, from 60 different countries. And like, so when people say it to me, I'm like, man, this is an, an army. It's a movement of people. Yeah. And I would love to actually, maybe we start there because you, you've, you've done so many incredible things in the acting world, but I think it'd be really fun for me to hear about, but other people in the room about for the philanthropy yeah. work you do and, yeah. and it's kind of been in your family, right? Yeah, it has. I, I actually have a, uh, a local foundation here in Austin, Texas. Um, my grandparents were from, um, for ones from Brownsville, ones from Bertram and they met in the middle and that was Austin. And, um, and so they focus on, we, we focus on anything from elder care, education, disability services, youth wow. development and aging. Um, we, we, we have a scholarship and grant program as well. And, um, right now I'm in the middle, we're doing a, um, a community development project down in Brownsville, Texas, but, um, but that's kind of always been a, a part of my life. You know, philanthropy, I've, I've been very lucky that I've grown up in the understanding of, of why we need philanthropy, why we need people, um, that, that work in this type of community that, that give and that, that are able to, to bring, like you said, a movement together. Cause that's exactly what this is. It, it's, it's a movement. It's a global movement because these, these rights, these types of, um, things, these equalities that we're fighting for, um, don't just affect one group, right? They, 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 they span over everyone. And if we're able to raise or give someone the ability to have a platform to, to, to come off of versus sink down in, yeah. the possibilities are endless. And I've been very lucky to grow up with that mindset, to grow up with the, the, you, you give more than you take, you know, mm -hmm. you, you, if you do one thing, for yourself, try to do is double for everyone else. And, uh, and luckily, uh, I got a show called breaking bad yeah. that just amplified, um, uh, my mindset and allowed me to open up, um, a world for people with, with that, that have disabilities. And, and I have a disability myself, right? Um, I was born with cerebral palsy. Um, for people that don't know what cerebral palsy is, 
Um, it, it primarily affects the fine and gross motor skills, hand-eye coordination, um, speech, dexterity. Um, it's commonly caused at childbirth from lack of oxygen to the brain. Um, the best way I can describe it is that you have these parts of your brain that just never were activated. Hmm. They've never received oxygen. So your brain had to create other neural networks around these unoxygenated parts of your brain, which can affect many things. And, and usually if you have CP, you, um, you have many different other. It, it they it comes as a party, you know. It, <laughs> you don't just got one thing. Um, so so many different facets of therapy, and in my whole life, I grew up um, with Shriners Hospitals for Children and, and people that supported me and gave me the tools to to talk to you, to talk to people like you to come to things like this. And uh, when I I booked Breaking Bad, um, having the character Walt Junior was one of those characters that. Yes, it was a character with a disability, but it wasn't about that. It was about a person, a person mm. with a family that's just trying to get through everyday life. And I think when people see individuals that may be different from them or may have different physical or mental challenges than them, they they don't they see that first, right? They see these labels that we like to place upon ourselves, but they don't actually see the the impact and the training and the understanding that comes with something like this. And, uh, and I was very lucky to have Walt Jr. be that yeah. example. And it just amplified um, what we do. And, and I work with hundreds of different organizations. Actually, I know Nick. I worked with him oh, and, and other awesome. things. We uh, There's an organization called Runway of Dreams. Um, and they work with Zappos Adaptive and focus on creating adaptive clothing. Yeah. And we did a, a fashion show um, <laughs> for Zappos. And Nick was on it and a bunch of great people. Um, and it's, you know, I'm not always the most outgoing person. Like I, I actually don't like talking in front of crowds. Um, but thank you for doing this. No, it, it, <laughs> Hey, it's what I do. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but when you have causes like this, that, that have such an awareness that that can reach so many people and so many people are looking at it for not just for entertainment, but for guidance, for, for different views, for information to, to make themselves stronger to give them that platform. And, and I think what you did and what drew me to you was that way of, of your movement through, through the sports and through activities and, and through outreach and, and how you've transferred that over to, to just really a community. And that's what this is. It's a community and linking the communities are so key. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where I learned about community most because I grew up getting very heavily bullied and sat at the lunch table by myself. And from third, eighth grade, like it was, it was really hard, Yeah. but I found community in sports and that was great. But a lot of times in a fighter gym, I mean, fighters can be some of the, the nicest, most compassionate guys, even though they, yeah, they, they do what they do. Yeah. Yeah. But I, uh, it wasn't until I was in Africa with the pygmy people and I lived there with them in the jungle that they taught me, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want this, this podcast to be is like a community of people that can, whatever changes they need to make or whatever challenges they need to overcome or overtake. Like I want them to find this as inspiration, hope, meaning. Um, but man, I think that what did you find from being on breaking bad? 
and the community. Cause I remember I didn't get into it until the third or fourth yeah. season. Is that, was that kind of the phenomenon of the show? Like all of a sudden it took off, not after the first or second. It was wild. No, you know, I, I do have to, I, I love Netflix for what it did to the show. At the same time, it kind of, um, it, it, it kind of opened the show up in, in different ways. But really, once we were on streaming platforms, you know, so Breaking Bad started in 2006. And not a lot of people realize this, you know, I think we have more fans now than, than we had in the 2010s. Um, it was really the last season where we were like, whoa, this is, this is, this was actually big because every season we would get canceled. <laughs> like every season I would hear, don't prepare not to come back. <laughs> and, and that's, and that was, a, that was kind of our life was like this, this, this thing of like, yeah, the, it could be done any second. And, you know, we actually survived the writer strike. That's um, and, and, and it was, it was like a massive thing for us to be able to keep doing this when every other show that we were like working against, and I say against, but with, but like Emmys and stuff was all, getting canceled and we're like are we are we next and uh and you know we had around 500 people that worked on our show from cast crew um actors um production in new mexico because it was 100 percent in new mexico and uh and our writing office was in la and you know it was really a a family dynamic you know it was one of those things where everyone was kind of all hands on deck always and and you know when you have that type of uh project that people love you know at the end we we had to kind of shut down our scripts right people were trying to like leak the episodes and stuff but in the beginning for the first few seasons everyone got every script from from not just actors and producers but the the crew itself and everyone was so heavily invested in it that no one gave secrets away and and when our our cast got our crew got a little bigger we kind of had to lock it down you know one guy always ruins it for everyone <laughs> <laughs> but um but we were we were so tight knit and and what was really cool um and I didn't recognize it at the time, and I recognize it now. Is is just the way that we were written, the characters, and the the cinematic value of every episode and every scene, and and the perfection that everyone wanted to give. It was there, and and that that comes from passion. That comes from belief, and and when you have that, and everyone has it, you make things very very special and you know Breaking Bad was such an amazing show um, I still talk to all the guys I mean everyone's got their own families right everyone's got their own lives and their own shows and, and you know their own tequila and um, <laughs> but um, but we were all very close and we're still very close right so. you saying your own tequila I'm gonna get this water a little yeah. closer to you a little closer Thank to you. me yes sir but I um, I wonder uh, one of the things I get a lot and maybe you get it from, from fans or followers of yours is how do you find your passion or how do you find your purpose? And for you, how did you do that through, I mean, you found a passion in still acting. trying to find it. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. it, you know, like this is the thing about passion and purpose is it can change like instantly. Like you can, you can have something so meaningless or meaningful as a cup of water 
and and that could change your life in like a second you know um it's not always easy to keep the passion but but what i love is is the impact i get to have with the people around me and like seeing the change in the environment and seeing seeing new things and impactful things that happen not just for me but from for the people and my friends that are around me um by doing what I get to do uh, really is what makes me very, very happy that I'm able to, to, to bring the friends along, you know, and, and finding what I love to do. And that changes all the time. Um, But really I think the root of it is just find what makes you happy. Mm. I mean, like, I know it's such a, a lame answer, like, but it's true. If, if you, so many people in their life do things that make them miserable. Like we, we, we do things every day that we're like, we don't want to go to work or we don't, we don't want to get out of bed. And like, and when you have something that makes you want to get out of bed, that makes you want to go to work and that, that even in the darkest of times, you can find those happy moments. Like that's something that you need to protect mm-hmm. and, and recognizing that, you know, I'm a firm believer of, of, um, of can't is a decision. You know, if if you say you can't do something, I can't do this or I can't do that. Well, maybe not right now, but if you want to achieve that goal, if you want to find that purpose or, or fulfill that purpose, like go and, and work every day to achieve that goal and, and make that a can decision versus a can't. I really like that. A comment for the live audience. And I've got a question for you. Is if you guys need to stretch your legs, use the yeah. restroom, just, just feel free. This is like a living room. It's treated like home. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it. But I, I want to dig into that a little bit um, with how you said to overcome and to keep pushing and to keep going. You had to do that at an early age where you might have been dealt a hand that some of us can't really relate or understand to truly because we didn't have to go through maybe the I I had speech therapy. I think you might have had speech therapy. And then what other kind of therapy did you grow up with that you were like, okay, I have to do these things to to be able to become an actor? Yeah. Well, you know, I actually didn't want to become an actor. Okay. It wasn't even a thought in my mind that this would actually be a real thing. Like, like not, not that, not that once I was in it, it's kind of like the mob. Once you're in, you're in. Um, (laughs) And you can never leave it and it will never leave you. (laughs) And, um, and, and so, but growing up, I, I was very lucky. Um, So when, so again, I have cerebral palsy and, uh, I wasn't diagnosed until I was around two or three years old. Uh, I kept passing all the tests, right? There, there are these, these basic tests and whatever I got them, I would figure out how to pass it. And so it took them a while. And until my grandmother actually every year she would, um, she would go or not every year, every few years, she had one of those old grandma caddies. You know what I'm talking about? The little, little, little gangster lowrider caddy. Mm-hmm. I like and, it. My, uh, my grandpa had one of those. Yeah, they're, they're <laughs> comfortable cars. I'll tell you that. Um, but every year she would go and she would, she would trade it in. Right. And, um, one year I happened to be with her and the gentleman there happened to be a Shriner. And at this point I was in, they wanted to do surgery. They wanted to like cut my brain open. They wanted to do all these things where it was like, we don't really know, but we're just going to go dig around and poke in it. Um, 
And my mother was like, no, <laughs> like we need to find out what's wrong with him or what, what's not so much what was wrong with me, but what, why is he not doing normal or holding normal things? Um, like, like just in general, right? Cause it primarily affected my, um, my speech, my hand eye coordination, my dexterity. Um, so the best way to put it is like a three second delay. So, right. Like, so everything I'm saying to you, I actually thought three seconds ago. Mm. Um, so it's very, um, cognitive thought, um, that comes out sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but when I was two, this, this, this Cadillac salesman said, Hey, does your grandson have CP? And at this point we went to doctors all over the country with the same result as I was diagnosed with, we know he has something, but we don't know what. Uh, great diagnosis. Uh, and uh, and at the time, that's what my grandmother told this man. is, Oh, we don't really know. We know he has something, but we don't know what. And he was like very adamant that he was like, your grandson has cerebral palsy. Like I work with kids every day um, and you need to go to Shriners Hospitals for Children, which um, it, the very first one was in Shreveport, Louisiana. Um, if y'all don't know what Shriners are, that's part of the, the masonry. And um, part of that is um, you can either stay in the masonry or go into the shrine, which they focus on the well-being of children. Um, they were founded in like 1920 um, to, to kind of combat polio at the time. Polio was a really big issue then, still is today, but um, but they didn't know what to do, and it was kind of polio, and then it turned into burns, and then it kept evolving over the over the millennia, and uh, and today they 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 treat a bunch of different things with hospitals all over the world, but um, uh, I went up there. I was living in Lafayette, Louisiana at the time. And the nearest one was in Shreveport, Louisiana, which was about four hours north. And uh, that weekend, we got a, we called, we were able to get an appointment, we drove up there. And within the first hour um, of going in and seeing, I was, I, they were able to diagnose me and started my therapy. And they started me with occupational therapy, speech therapy, and physical therapy, as well as feet binding and, um, and braces. So they fitted me for my braces. I had um, AFOs. And SMAFOs, which were these kind of like plastic leg shells that go on the back of your leg and, and up your foot here because my feet, instead of normally being like this, they wanted to bend down. So like our natural position, our natural body position is the fetal position. So like if you've seen in strokes or anything, a lot of people, they, they curl up. But that's because that's our natural but that's what we're born in. That's our positioning that our body is like, Oh, revert. Um, so a lot of it's like a, a massive Charlie horse, right? Mm. For the whole body that just wants to contract. So part of that is exercise. A big part of that is physical exercise, um, as well as cognitive, um, exercise. But, uh, but within the hour, they, they, put me in braces. They, or they fit me for my braces. They wrapped my legs in casts. They sent me home. They said, come back in a week to pick up your braces. These are the therapies you need. Come back twice a week. And, and we were, we would literally drive back and forth between Lafayette. And that's the thing is people, people don't realize it's 
when when you're doing something like this for the ones you love, I know families that drive 14, 15 hours to seek physical therapy and occupational therapy. You make the distance. You know, sometimes you think, oh, that's so far. But when you don't have a choice, you make it work. And um and so I, I did that and part of my therapies were also um sports. I, I was big in the sports. Um when which, I was a which kid. sports did you play? So so I I was in karate. Okay. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um so so I, I, I went to a karate jujitsu boxing academy cool. for, for a while. I played soccer. Um I got into I got into dirt bikes and go karts for a little bit till I crashed them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I came home and I was like, where's my, where's my bike? And she's like, what bike? <laughs> Sold it. <laughs> Gone. <laughs> I, I'm like, I, I go, I lift the, the garage to pull my bike out. I'm, I'm eight by the way, um, to, to pull it out. And I, and I rode motorcycles with casts wow. on my, like, so I was, I was, you ever see that dude on the freeway with the cast on his arm and the cast on his foot driving the bike? And you're like, man, that guy's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> He's pointing at himself if you're listening. <laughs> um, but um but so I, I was always very active and and um I grew up with um a marine grandfather who my family was very close with my grandparents on both sides of my family. And um we go fishing and hunting and and they're all professional fishermen and hunters and um would would was very active and you know always stayed active and and I learned how to incorporate my therapy in my everyday life mm. um you know even even subconsciously right now I'm somewhat doing therapy um talking to y'all no um but uh but that was kind of my way is trying to figure out how to carry it through my everyday life how could i how could i make it where it's not a chore for me because when you're doing therapy when you and and you your sort your shoulder when yeah. you had to do therapy for that yeah. it was miserable yeah it was like miserable and you don't want to do it but you know if you don't to get the maximum benefits and the full function back or yeah. to get to where i want to be you have to go through that pain or you digress yeah and you're only going to experience more pain and so that was kind of my thing is how could i how can i minimize the pain in therapy and maximize my impact in my everyday life mm. and um and i went from anything from folding towels like it, and it doesn't have to be complicated right like folding towels like meeting bread like start like cooking um you know one of my big things is i couldn't feel hot and cold um so like i can actually like sometimes shut off my like my receptors and um and i burned myself a lot when i was a kid because i would i would go and touch things that were scalding hot and i would end up with like third degree burns hmm. like i i took my whole arm one time on a hot lawnmower engine and was talking to my cousin and I didn't feel it, Until but we smelled, smelled it. it. Yeah. <laughs> so he smelled it. So we smelled it and we go, we're like, man, what's that? And I do this and it just goes like, bro. And I, and I, and then I freak <laughs> and they ran me in and I, it was, it turned out to be fine. But, um, <laughs> 
It's okay. <laughs> I couldn't feel it. So no wonder you were so good at karate yeah. and jiu-jitsu. Oh. Yeah. Well, hey, actually, so I mostly incorporated my karate into my soccer playing. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Headbutting? No, no. No, 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 no. We weren't allowed to do that. We were, we were children. But keep in mind, I had braces on my legs. So I had these, these, uh, these metal, these not metal, but these like plastic braces that covered my back and down my foot so as well as you a shin guard. Yeah. As a shin guard. Yeah. So I was fearless. <laughs> I did not care how big you were. I am going for the ball <laughs> and you can't stop me. <laughs> and I, I actually, initially what they did was, is, um, is they put me in the center. I was, I was the guy that kicked off the ball. Cause when they saw me line up the ball. They all got out of the way, <laughs> which they they didn't they didn't want the smoke. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, but um, but really, my key though for a lot of my therapy was making my 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 clinical therapy my everyday life, hmm. like being able to incorporate whatever it was I was doing. Um, and and when it came, and one of the one of the simple things is towels. Literally matching the corners, folding the corners, folding the towel, and then going and then having your mom or someone come and knock them all over and do it again, um, and, and and keep being able to 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 organize things and and put them in ways that you're consciously that you're cognitively looking at and seeing that and being able to connect those to from your hands to your brain, wow. and uh, and it's really simple. After you get it, after after you get how you're like, oh, this is this is therapy in its own way, and this is something that's making me stronger or faster or whatever it may be in my everyday life. And uh, and and I wonder, I wonder if you've seen a common thread or maybe a common denominator because whether it's people that have been successful in acting or if it's people that you might be commentating or broadcasting for. Maybe the Paralympics or maybe in yeah. any of the nonprofits that you're on the board of, like a common denominator for people who have overcome perseverance, perseverance, perseverance. I mean, I, I what does that word mean to you? Perseverance. So perseverance means no matter, no matter how down you are, no matter where you're at, like on how, how far on the totem pole you're down, how low in the world you could be, you're still able to do whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. Mm. Because the thing about it is, is life, life, you don't control life. Life happens, right? Life, everything happens. You know, you could get a call today and have devastating news, but you still got to go live and do, do your stuff, mm. live your life and, and persevere through those dark times. And, you know, um, I see it a lot in individuals with disabilities. I see a lot with people in the industry that, that, um, you're good. (laughs) Um, I, I, I see a lot when it comes to people in the industry, like that, that have that to be an actor, you have to have some form of trauma. Just, just across the board. Um, Thinking about some of my friends that are. I I mean, because because that's what we pull from. We pull from our traumas. We pull from our experiences. Mm. Um, And 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 that information that we experienced 
we put into our characters. We work it through our characters. One of my favorite parts of acting is, and and I don't need to see a therapist because I just, <laughs> I, I just convey my emotions. I convey like whatever it is that's in me, I'm able to put it out there. There was a moment on Breaking Bad that I remember when Walter White, Brian Cranston is in jail and he calls you. Yeah. And you're on the phone with him and I, I mean, you could do it way better than me or set that, that story up. Right. But you were, you were talking about, uh, you just killed uncle Hank and yeah. he was trying to talk you in or manipulate you this way or that way. Um, and you went to this place. I just remember seeing, that was one of my favorite scenes. Thank you. Cause you went to this place of like, so real, so authentic. Uh, can you set that up for anyone that yeah, maybe so, didn't see it? So, uh, so at this point, um, Breaking Bad, um, this is towards the end. If anyone hasn't watched the show, you're going to find <laughs> out the ending. Alert, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and at this point, while Junior's at school, um, his dad, my, the, my dad's on the run. Um, he's trying to, like, he got busted. He got caught. Everyone knows the, the jig is up. And, um, and it's right after Hank was murdered and no one has information, but we know all this is happening and the police are listening on the other line. And, and it's kind of this, like, he's trying to, trying to justify what he did, trying to justify, like, this was for my family. This was for you. This was like this and, and try to be able to like have that, that father son moment. He never got the chance to have, but at that point it was kind of too late. And, um, and so like, cause, cause during this whole period of the show, instead of being the father to him, he's the father to Jesse and mm. Dean's character, Hank has been that father that we are, we always had that cool uncle, right? We always had that, that guy that like, wasn't your dad, but like, you were like, I wish this could have been my cool dad. So I got this guy, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, no offense to dads. Um, but, um, but kind of has that. And he, he initially like pretty much tells him to die, to, to just, yeah. to just go away. And why can't you just die? And, um, and I apologize. You're good, my man. Yeah. Going back You're a busy, back. a busy, a busy man. It, it's, it's my mother. Yeah. <laughs> if you need to take it, go ahead. My man. I, we'll edit it. No. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> if anything, She'll she'll call she'll call Madison. Madison. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, but yeah. So it, it kind of has that moment, and and everything he thought he was going to say to me just turned into I wish I was dead. Um, and and you know it's it's one of those things that like I was saying earlier that that acting could be therapeutic in a way where not not so much like me and my father had a had a, a rough relationship. I love my father. Um, he passed away last year. Um, uh, it's okay. He was he was in very very poor health for a very long time, and uh, and so like me and him always had the very the 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 Walt Junior Heisenberg. Like if if you. Could, made a movie about us that probably was a very similar situation except for the meth um, <laughs> but um but but we we kind of had that dynamic in a way and and you know luckily towards the end we were able to to re like resolve our our differences in a way and then i was able to help him um towards the end of his life and 
Um, it, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, would that mean, would that mean for you where you have a, maybe a, a tough relationship, but in the end, you know, you were able to be there. You know, I, I have a little mess of view on this cause I, I've been at the end for, for many people in my life. And you know, I, uh, the meanest and evilest people <laughs> are actually very soft people towards the end. Um, and that's one thing that like, I've, just don't take it for granted, you know, just at the end, whatever, whatever happened, you kind of like, kind of gotta have that consoling moment and make that peace because like certain times like this might be all you're going to get like and, and any of us can leave here today and and make the street and get hit by a car like that's hope god forbid that happens i'm not i i i, I want to see all of you again but like i could literally yeah. be driving back home and this would could be our last conversation and so i i think the biggest thing is is no matter what animosity you have towards someone, no matter like what someone's done, you know, there are some unforgivable things in life, right? But for the most part, um, we're people, we're humans, we make mistakes, we, we, we're selfish creatures. That's, that's, yeah, that's just naturally, we want to do our things for ourselves. And, and I find, um, in those final moments of, of life, and I, <laughs> I hate putting it like that, but, um, but you could either send them with hope or despair. And I find sometimes you got to swallow your pride. Sometimes you got to like make that extra step and be like, be like, you're, I forgive you. Like, you know that you, yeah. and it's a really kind of like, it's not always like the best, like sometimes you don't really forgive them, you know, like, and, and you, and you can't resolve the issue, but you could be there in that moment. And that is probably one of the best things you can do for someone in life is, is like being in those final steps. And, um, I think that's a gift because no one, no one, I mean, you don't always get your it. Dad, I mean, even, no matter what you guys had, he was, yeah. uh, he was my he dad. Brought, he, he brought you here into yeah. this earth and it was well, I'm adopted. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got true. you there. You got me. You did get me. You, you got me. You got me. I forgot that part, but they, uh, the, the, I guess the thing is the gift. <laughs> Put my foot in my mouth. The, the gift there is, you know, being there for someone because no one wants to be alone. No one. I think that the times in my life when I was suicidal, I've, I've overcome yeah. or survived suicide twice. Uh, and I think we've all overcome a hundred percent of our darkest days. Yeah. That's what this podcast is based off of. But for me, uh, you know, those times that I was in that suicidal place, the two times, especially I felt alone. Um, even though I might not have really been, maybe yeah. I, maybe I forced myself to be alone. I was isolating. Yeah. I felt hopeless, hopelessness. And I felt like I was a burden, you know? And so I think being there for your adopted father, you, it was my dad, your dad, your dad, you were able to give him a gift of, uh, yeah. you know, being there for him. And that's, that shows, um, whether it's you being the bigger man or being a good son, it was, it was, uh, Something. I think the next right thing to do, yeah. right. For you in that moment. 
Yeah, my my uh, my father was uh, bipolar, schizophrenic, manic depressive. Wow, exotic, exotic too. Got it all wow, well. A, I mean, for him, he big. never was. He just turned that into food. Hmm. Um, like a lot of for him, it, it he never really recovered and made his decision and never really took his medication. You know, I, I grew up with a lot of like um like all my diabetes, emphysema, bipolar, all the, I had a lot of, I had a lot of people with a lot of different things in their life. So for me, um, what I think, why I feel so strong to, to do things like this and, and other work with other organizations is, is whatever people label it as just disability, right? But what that, this, this world, these things that we have, I've been very blessed to be able to experience them firsthand. Hmm. And, and see these insights into people's lives and, and this human condition that we all share. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a great honor to be able to, to go through something like this and, and survive, you know, to, to experience what you experience, because this is the thing with what you experience. Um, you, you, you can't really convey it except for you can feel it and you can then feel that and go, okay, I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. And you can recognize the look in someone's eye. You mm. can you can relate to them and you can actually share that moment and and hopefully you could save someone. Hopefully you and, and not just like save their life, but just save their their mind, you know, because a lot of people sit in darkness. A lot of people do remove themselves from society, do um ostracize themselves from their friends, their communities. And and one of the best things I actually learned, one of my favorite things actually is is an organization here called Mobile Loaves and Fishes. I don't know if you have you heard of this. Yeah. They're they're a great organization. Um, them. Yeah, uh, they focus on homelessness. But but the big thing is is community. And and you know they they they've narrowed down a lot of reasons why people are homeless, but why and why people have these addictions and why blah blah blah, right? It was all mental illness or whatever. But really, what comes down to it, and, and I think this is actually what we have to work on for our, for our world and for our future, is they've narrowed it down to catastrophic loss of community, and that's why. They stay on the streets. Mm. That's why people stay into drugs. That's why people stay into these habits is because that's their community. And if they don't stay in this, where are they going to go? And and it's this perpetual cycle of this is my community and I'm afraid to leave it, even though it might be killing me or harmful to my friends, harmful to my family. But I can't break this because of of, of my community mentality. And I, and I think that's something that um, that we all forget that we're all part of the same world, the same community and, and growing from there. Yeah. I, uh, thank you for sharing all this, by the way. Yeah, no um, worries. This is great. It's and, all public record anyway. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what would be for you what would be one of the toughest moments in your career where maybe you wanted to give up? Or choose not to overcome last week. Last week, yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> um, it comes, it, it you know, it comes and goes. You know, I my job is a very fickle job. You know, like this month I'm unemployed, next month I'm employed. Right? It's 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 one of those things where 
you're only as good as your last project. You're only as good as your next article or, or that theory. Right. And, um, I think for me, probably the hardest time that I had was, is, is you know, every once in a while I'll get an ultimatum and it, and it's, and there's no in the middle. And, you know, it comes in different things where I have to make, I have to make a decision and, and they're usually life altering decisions. Um, and one of those was I was like 14, 15 years old. Um, my, my grandmother was dying. My grandfather was dying. My papa was dying and my great grandmother was all dying all within like six months. And I was also filming Breaking Bad and I was also taking care of my mom and my mom was actually, um, paralyzed, not fully paralyzed, but paralyzed for about seven years right after my little sister was born. So I was 12 when she was born and my mom didn't really recover from her back surgeries for about seven years. Um, couldn't take care of my sister, um, not take care, but like couldn't lift her, right? She couldn't lift anything heavier than a loaf of bread and a baby weighs more than a loaf of bread. <clears throat> so, <laughs> um, so, so I was kind of in a position of, of careers, family, logistics, um, because they're in Texas, Louisiana, and I'm in California, New Mexico, and and still trying to to juggle all the things and and um and at the time I was also trying to go to school and so I, it was kind of these decisions that I had to make and and you know some of them were were the right decisions some of them wrong decisions but but decisions nonetheless and um and I think the big thing for me was just being okay with with whatever happened after I made the decisions and. You know, I, I, I had to, I kind of had to, to pick, um, like situations and, and luckily I, I was able to spend a lot of time with my family and stuff and still be able to work and do it. But it was, it was one of those things where it's like, what, what's the point of this at a certain point? Like, what's, why am I still doing this? Like, why am I, why do I want to keep going? You know, and I think everyone in, in one place or another, ask yourself, like, why am I still doing this? Why am what what decisions am I making that are putting me back into this position? And I, I think recognizing what I needed to to make my decision basing on um, grew with me. And, and you know, I'm I'm 15 years old. I'm a kid, right? Mentality wise, but I'm I'm working on these shows. I'm taking care of my sister, taking care of my mother, and then dealing with everything else back in Texas and Louisiana and like, you know, when, when you're being stretched Armstrong everywhere, you kind of just want to just throw it all in the air and and you just kind of want to blow it up. You just, and, and you, you go through these stages when you're overwhelmed, right? When, when you have these moments of like, is any of it worth it? do I just flush it? <laughs> like, and, and sometimes you flush it. And sometimes you just say, you know what? No, cancel everything. I'm done. But you can't get it back. Like, like when you, when you make those types of decisions and, um, and, you know, I had to learn what you can and can't recover from. 
Uh, do you have any of those decisions that, that you'd mind sharing? That's like maybe one of those life altering ones. Like you had a crossroads where it was like, this would have forever changed my life this way. So, so I, I, I have one. one that's, that's very, that's uplifting or not uplifting, but, but unique in a way. So I, um, I was working a lot at this time. I was, I was, I was traveling. I was on probably like five flights a week for six months straight and like but wow. we're like speaking doing speaking yeah. engagements and doing other things and, and not just in the u.s but but globally and and um and traveling and, and really like just like motivational and impact and anti-bullying and all this stuff and and like i was just like kind of like i don't want to keep doing this type of content anymore you know and and i was i was i was kind of in a place of like do i really help anyone do i really make a difference like there's no point to any of this like it's it's like yeah it's they see it but no one really cares and so i was in that kind of mindset of like no one really no one really gives a shit about this and i'm just spinning my wheels doing nothing um and so i was like oh you know what i want to do I want to do a survival TV show. <laughs> I, because I, all I wanted to do was go into the wilderness. That was all I wanted to do was just like not be booked, not and I and I and I sound like it's like oh my god, it must be so bad for him. But like, but like at the time, like the last thing I wanted to do was work. Hmm. Like the last thing I wanted to do was was talk about, um, was. T- talk about anything that we're talking about today <laughs> like like that was just like i just couldn't hear myself anymore and like and it didn't mean it was like i, I didn't care and when i would do the things i would talk with everybody right because i would go to a school and there'd be a couple hundred people there and so like i would start at like six or i would start my travel at like 6 a.m I would get there at noon i would spend four hours with the school and then i would meet and greet every single one of the students and then I would do that again the next day and the next day and the next day. And like, I would make a lot, I would, I meet a lot of cool people and have great conversations. And, but I was just like wearing myself down on like, like, it, am I, am I doing anything? Is this making a difference? I couldn't see the difference mm. anymore. And like, for me, that was kind of, I'm a, I'm a, when I don't have a point or a purpose, I'm not there. Yeah. Like I'm just like, there's no, there's no point. There's no purpose. I'm out. And, um, and I had this one job that I was booked for. Um, and I decided that I was going to drop everything and go live on this desert Island for three weeks. And, uh, and I did. And I made the, I made, We're the, I made the decision and I dropped my book and I picked up this show. Uh, it was called the Island with Bear Grylls. Um, I don't know if y'all seen that. <laughs> it was really amazing experience. Like I, I really loved it, but in hindsight, I probably really shouldn't have taken the job. Like it just, I had momentum. I was, I was, I was like, I look back and I was like, man, I really was reaching a lot of people. Like I, I, I reached back and I was like, I was like, cause I was having conversations with people who were suicide, you know, and they were ta- like suicidal and they were talking about like, you know, you, like they were, I had this one kid come up to me and I was like, yo, what you said to me really resonated with me. And was like, you know, I, I've had these really messed up thoughts and I, I don't really feel that I have to deal with those thoughts anymore. And like, I, I kept having these kind of conversations with like, with like random people. And, um, 
and 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 it was just that 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 I couldn't. I was like, is this kid lying to me? Like, right? He, this dude ain't. I was like, in my mind, I was like, this kid ain't suicidal. But we still had the meaningful like conversation, and 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 the important conversation about perseverance and just finding time for him and and all these things. But I really wasn't finding time for myself, and so I took this job, and then I really haven't spoke since. <laughs> uh, I kind of like messed up the job. For my future, and after that, there my the booking agent was like, kind of when I made that decision, was like, "Well, we're not going to book you anymore," and and not not that was that it just I I wasn't reliable at that time because I I was like I can't do this and I just I left to the Panama Canal for 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 four weeks and and in it and when I did the show. I didn't really escape what I was running from <laughs> because I'm on this show now with these people who are experiencing depression and, and, and we're all stranded on an Island and we had to support and take care and, and, and raise each other up. And I'm like, well, shit, I just went from what I was doing before, but now I'm stuck on the desert Island with it. <laughs> <laughs> And I'm having the same conversations I'm having at the school with the with some of the castmates, and I'm just like, I I I I I literally, I, I was only on it for eight days. Um, they they made they made fire for us, and I was out, and because they weren't, no one was really working together. It was a good, it was we had really good people, but then we had people that were all right. Um, <laughs> But but all great people, <laughs> um, and uh, <laughs> and and it was a lot of fun. And like, do I regret it a little bit? Yes, because that was that that was that that was that ultimatum decision, right? I chose this career path over this career path, and it altered my life. It altered the last the last seven years of my life, and 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 there and. There's nothing wrong with that, but I do see the error I made by making that decision. And luckily I'm able to recognize that emotion now and, and, and feeling that, that despair, you know, that, that just the, the overwhelmingness of like, eventually you do something enough at the same time. Eventually you don't have to think about it, but you don't realize you also lose how special it is yeah. and how unique it is. And and that was kind of that moment where I was like, man, I was sitting on this beach in the Panama Canal going, I could have, I could have made the same money for, for one day. And now I don't have food or water <laughs> and I'm here for three weeks. <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Onnit. Onnit.com slash overcome. They're a sponsor of this podcast. I'm so grateful. Soon enough, there will be a donate button to fight for the forgotten in the cart. But this episode was really fun to have an Onnit mocktail bar. We had so many fun flavors. We had every flavor that was even I didn't even know there were some of those flavors. <laughs> Elderberry lavender, <laughs> orange guava, Meyer lemon. Well, they all did some sorts new of mood coconut and, lime. Yeah, they yeah. did some a few other things in there too. But we had new Alpha mood. We had Viratech and Alpha Brain 
Wow. Mm-hmm. I was able to make a, a Onnit Palmer where uh, I had some Meyer lemon and some like green tea uh, and then a, a Lemonit aid where I had the Viratech with uh, lemon with the Alpha Brain lemon uh, and the Meyer lemon on both of them. So mm-hmm. just like double lemon and double like get the Alpha Brain effect where you get the the awesome alertness and then also you're boosting your immune system with the Viratech. It is awesome. And I'm so incredibly grateful because for me to be a sponsor of the show, I really need to believe in the company. And this is a company I believe in as much or more than anyone else I could think of. They have sent me stuff while I was in the Congo and recovering from malaria. And that was the boost I needed. I needed those supplements for my recovery. Um, and, and, you know, whenever I was very, very sick. And so they're helping me with my comeback to fighting. And for me, Alpha Brain is my absolute favorite product, although they have the new, the new mood is a close second, total human as well. And you well. mainly use the Alpha Brain Instant, right? And the and the black label. I, I use the black label. Uh, that's got some caffeine. My favorite is the brand new Focus Shot. I know you yeah, love those. I love those. Well, they taste delicious. Think the, about a five-hour energy that's even better. Yeah, because um, that's one of the things they've proven for you in your own life. And like, you know, you can trust their ingredients and stuff. And I was yeah. reading what's in these Focus Shots. By the way, they have two flavors. They have peach and tropical is my uh, favorite. Tropical. Peach is good. Tropical peach is, is your great. Favorite. I thought it. But I tropical, thought tropical. Okay, so relating it back, my favorite thing in the world is passion fruit. Uh, that's my favorite fruit and passion fruit On juice. Take note. <laughs> no, no, no. Th- it's in the tropical. Oh, it's in the tropical. Uh, passion fruit is part of the flavor. Let me see. Um, and it's it's really good. I mean, at least it's on the on the drawing on the well, cover. Well, in I there, like it. in there with it. it, you've got um, ashwagandha. Yes. KSM 66 ashwagandha root extract. Cognizant cytocholine. <laughs> I don't know. I'm probably butchering that, but you, you know what I mean. Right. Lion's mane, mm-hmm. L-thionine. Yep. Caffeine from green that's tea extract. And that's, I okay, in a focus shot, something like that, I, on days I was really dragging, I got in a bad habit 10 plus years ago, we're drinking those five hour energies and those things can make you real shaky. And I don't mean to knock anybody else, but, uh, this is what I love about the focus shot is that I am just this clear alertness, this calm alertness. And I get into the flow state faster. I stay in it longer for me. That's important. Whether it's going to on it, gym ATX or going to box or sparring or to have a great conversation here. I alternate uh, alpha brain, which doesn't have any stimulants, whether it's the instant or the normal pills. And then I also use the focus shots or alpha brain black whenever I want to take it up to the next level. So thank you so much. If you want to get some, it's at onitcom slash overcome. I encourage you to do so because I think it'll be one of the best supplements you've ever taken. Now let's return to the show and thank you on it for making it possible. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll I'll try to relate this to you a little bit because one, I think that we can make those decisions where it forever changes our life one way or the other, but I can relate in a way that through my, my own addiction, uh, when I had surgery, um, not, not on my shoulder, but on my elbow here, when I was real young, uh, I got hooked on oxy quick and then it just spiraled from that to like marijuana to just anything that changed the way I feel. And I would lose momentum on things whenever I would come up on this 
this choice and mine could be like, go do something great or do something that makes me feel great in yeah. the moment. But like, it's going to like derail this over here. Yep. And so sometimes those times I would choose to use, man, it would just, everything would downward spiral. It would plummet. I would one almost die some of the times. And, uh, and then afterwards you get out of that and you emerge from it pretty remorseful and you make all these firm resolutions never again, or I'm going to do this. But, yeah. uh, but then you look back and you're like, Oh no, but I've actually had moments where I've made those decisions and then a group or community comes mm -hmm. around me in a way that has really helped alter my life to where with fight for the forgotten, there's been a yeah. couple different times I could have slash should have lost uh, this opportunity to be the founder or to be the spokesperson yeah. or to be uh, and the board had made some tough decisions because uh, I would say, Hey, I need some help. And uh, they got me into treatment mm -hmm. um, or, you know, and then, and then there's all the shame, the guilt, like, Oh, I could have, you know, yeah. kept this momentum going. But I think as I take care of me uh, more, I can tell, take care of others more and i've i've learned that the hard way yeah i've learned that a lot but no i i, I agree though and I, I think that's kind of the being able to recognize that like yeah. that's that's the hardest thing about anything in life is being able to go oh i know what this path is and that's the path i don't want yeah like and, and having the people around you that go that 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 take you and and keep you on that path with them and you want to stay on that path with them and and i think so many times like we lose sight of of our surroundings we lose sight of those people and sometimes they're not there and in those brief moments are when we we get lost in in the trees and i um i think it's something that everyone faces in their life. And, and it's not always life altering decisions, but at the same time, you never know in those moments where your life would go and, and where, and how far it could take you. Um, and it's something though, that like we, we have to learn it that way. You know, we either have to, we don't always get the luxury of learning it easily, you know? And I, and I think that there is an important piece to our life on learning our mistakes yeah. and learning when we go, we know what this is and we can recognize it so we can actually recognize it in others. Yeah. And, and that's how we, I feel that we make the difference. Yeah. I, I, I think there was like some proverb probably s slaughtering it, but it's like a fool learns from his own mistakes. A wisest man learns from other Same. people's mistakes. And I've just haven't been that wise that much. <laughs> I've, I've, I've always had to learn from my own mistakes Same. or like for it to really hit home. And See, I've always done it where it's like, man, that looks fun. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then you learn the hard way, um, but the fun way sometimes, but it's, uh, man, I really appreciate how open and, and honest you're being on this entire, in this entire conversation. This is all a lie. <laughs> okay. I, I, this is just, this is just one big acting. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. You get paid to pretend for a living, but at least, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're being real honest here. I, I feel, um, but what do you think, or could you share one of those bullying moments? I mean, I think yeah. you had your hand. So broken, yeah, I, right? uh, I had my hand broken by like a bully slash friend. You know, mm. growing up, I always like 
I always was a new kid. So when I was when I was young, my parents divorced when I was two months old. And um and so I was split kind of between Texas and Louisiana. And so every other year I was always moving to a different school. We were always moving to a different town. So I would start over every every year, right? It was always the new kid with braces that talked a little funny, that walked a little funny. And oddly enough, um, I would always somehow in my first day run into the worst guy <laughs> every time. And, um, and you know, one time I, I, I was playing basketball and the dude, like, I was kind of winning, like, not really, but kind of. And he had, like, stilt-toed shoes on and he, like, kicks the ball out of my hand and then like breaks my hand across the knuckles. And I, I, I a lot of, a lot of stuff of like, just kind of like, like name calling or whatever, because a lot of people, they see the braces, right? They'll see the physical thing and they go, Oh, he's, he's weak or he's slow or whatever these, these assumptions are when they see people that are a little different from them. And, uh, and they learned very quickly that, that I wasn't weak and I wasn't slow. Um, but, um, but ironically I would end up like initially befriending my bully and, and, and they weren't really a bully anymore, um, to other people, like oddly enough. Um, and then I left the school. I don't know what happened after that, (laughs) but, um, and and then I, I had like this one kid that was always like anytime in gym class would grab my hoodie and, and launch me off my feet, right? Or like cornered. But I was I never allowed my bullies to really I, I gave them two chances. <laughs> and and after the two chances, game was on. Um I I, I didn't play that. I, I I grew up with a Marine grandfather. So I, if I, if, if I went home and I didn't win the fight, I had, I had a worse fight at home. (laughs) 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 And, um, and like, so like, really, I think for me, when it came to bullying was, and, and I learned very early on about bullies is like, is, yeah, some people just want to hurt you. Like, that's kind of that's that you're going to find those people that just don't they don't they don't care they have a shitty at home life someone's abusing them someone's doing something to them and they just want to go to school and hurt someone because they're being hurt and and I was very lucky that I learned that like hurt very people hurt people hurt hurt people hurt people when you are when you when you are cornered I don't I don't care you could have you you could be at someone with knives and you corner the wrong person into a corner. It doesn't matter how much upper hand you have because because when someone is truly desperate, anything is possible. And um and I was able to really kind of be like, why? Why me? Like I, I straight up would ask, like if you if you were pushing me or like name calling or whatever, like I would pretty much be like do we have a problem? Do like, what, what do you want? And, and I would keep asking that question every time I saw them, every time they did, I'd be like, what do you want? And like, sometimes it was like a stupid answer is like to do this or like to, to, to like this. But eventually it turned into, I don't know what I want. Then why are you doing this to me? 
And that would open up to a whole other thing of like, well, I don't have any friends. I don't, I don't, my, my dad, my mom, like, and it's like, eventually we, we got to the root of it. And yeah. and I was like eight years old doing this, <laughs> like, like to like kids that were like 14 years old. Like my bully was never my age. My bully was always like that. Like I'm looking up at the guy and, and I was just the weakest person he found or what he saw was weak. Right. Um, and so, you know, I, I kind of always was not always sometimes it, I, I would go and convey to my teachers and com- well, I would convey, I recommend to anyone that's being bullied, talk to your family, talk to your friends, like talk to the teachers. I know that's stupid, but like it makes a difference. Like if, and, and the thing is, is a lot of times the people that are bullies are being abused themselves. You know, it's, it's outreach. It's, I do this. It's not always this, but I, I get this done to me at home. So I'm going to do it to others. And, and that mentality is very dangerous because you could still have that mentality and be 30 years old mm-hmm. and, and carry this pain through everything. And um, for me, though, it really was is after you're done hitting me or whatever it is you're trying to do to me, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, open that up, have those conversations. And then I would move to a new school and do it all over again. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so I, I was very lucky that, that um, I never allowed people to bully me for too long. Yeah. Um, I wonder if you found this to be true. They say that there's a statistic. One, there's going to be 12 to 13 million students in the U.S. bullied this year alone. Um, and then they say the person with the most uh, power influence isn't the authority figure and it isn't the one being bullied it's the bystander and that if you're just watching you're a silent supporter um so you need to be like i don't know you need to engage yeah you need need to engage engage. no 100 i'm i'm i agree with you 100 percent on this you know we are all witnesses as you're sitting in this audience as you're watching this screen you're a witness you you wit you're witnessing us talk hear it you you and and what we do and what we're here for you to do is to to take our knowledge and then bounce that off of everything else in your life and and grow from there and, and to be that stronger person. But that's the gift of being a witness is you get to you get to witness it. You don't have to experience it. You get to experience it by by second hand. And but but then you have an obligation. Hmm as a witness, as someone that sees this to, 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 to make that difference. Cause you see on the news all the time of, Oh yeah, we saw this happening, but we didn't really want to get involved. And, um, I, I, there's a story I like to tell people and then I'll tell y'all it's, and I realized how important it is to be a witness and, 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 and why, why you need to to sometimes step in and make that impact in other people's lives? Uh, I I was in Hollywood at the um, at the Grove. I don't know if anyone's been to y'all. Have any of y'all yeah. been to the Grove in Hollywood? It's nice. It's nice. It's really nice, but the bathrooms kind of suck. Yeah. <laughs> There's like this alley, and it's kind of like scooped, right? Well, I was waiting for my mother in the bathroom. <clears throat> And I see, and, and it's raining, um, and it's really slick and stuff. And 
I see this this elderly woman walk by, and uh, I'm like, she's like hobbling kind of. And I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, yo, this girl's gonna fall. And she goes to get into the bathroom, and she uh, she falls like like in the middle of everyone. Like there's probably like forty people walking back and forth, right? And I'm not close to her, but I'm not I'm not far from her. I see it. I see her fall. I see the people around her see her fall. And I'm like, oh, someone else, someone else is gonna help her. Like I, I'm like, oh, I don't need a. I go to the kind of rush, but I don't, right? Because I'm not. Like I, you're here. Don't don't get involved because you're gonna get sued, right? That's that, that used to be the statement. They, they don't they don't say that anymore. But they, they used to be that. Oh, you don't want to get involved in that because you're gonna get sued or whatever that may be. Um, but I'm I'm sitting there, and this happened very quickly. But it felt like a minute. It felt like forever. And I'm, I'm, I see her fall, and I'm seeing the people around her, and they are looking at her like this. I'm looking at her like that, and they walk away. They all kind of just kind of walk away and walk around her and step over her to go into the bathroom. And I'm just witnessing this. And, and I go over and I help her up. And, and by the time I help her up, she she runs off because she's embarrassed. Like, she she didn't get hurt or anything. She just was, like, embarrassed. But but after I did this and, and I helped her up I noticed some of those people that kind of walked around her and kind of stepped over her they came back right they they were like looking for her coming back because they wanted to actually help but in that instant they chose to walk away they they, they chose to not be involved in that and, and it made me realize the importance of being a first per, a first person being in, the importance of being a witness, the importance of being that that person that goes, okay, something needs to be done. And, you know, we all face these moments. We all have these parts of our life where you can think back and you're like, I saw this happen. I didn't do it. I couldn't do anything about it, but I wanted to. And in that moment, you might have been able to, but you, you made the decision and, and, and you're like, I'm not getting involved. And though, and that, and that's something that's so special in its own way, because that's when you change lives. Mm. That's that's when that's when that moment happens of like, of of you're just that person. Now you're in this person's life, making an impact, being that being that pillar, being that that support, right? And and that's the role of a witness. Mm. That's the role of you see this happening. Do something. Yeah. And someone from going from being that silent supporter or quote unquote innocent bystander yeah. to, to being involved, to taking action. You just reminded me of a YouTube video that went viral like crazy whenever we were kids. But uh, it's called the Battle of Kruger. And the Battle of Kruger is where these, the there's these Cape Buffalo or like water buffalo. And I think it's either in... Uh, anyways, I think it's uh, Kenya or or um, Uganda, maybe or sorry, Tanzania. Actually, yeah. wherever Kruger is, but uh, yeah. uh, there's the Maasai Mara, there's the Serengeti, but it looked like that from thinking back yeah. on the video. And there's this little uh, Cape buffalo, and it's a baby, and it's it's weaker, it's smaller, it's in the back of the pack, and a lion hits it, and there's a whole pride of lions, and they start pulling that away. Yeah. 
and it falls into the water. And in the water, now all of a sudden there's a there's a lion wrestling an alligator, a crocodile, yeah, 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 cro- crocodile yeah. Over, over the baby Cape Buffalo, and they they're just watching this. And those other Cape Buffalo turned and looked, and they watched. Yeah, and they're just watching this thing about to get torn apart. Now there's two or three lions pulling and wrestling this crocodile for the baby yeah. uh, calf. And so it wasn't until one Cape Buffalo came back and was scared and timid and you could see it thinking about it. Yeah. But it finally started coming and all of a sudden another one came and another, another one. one came and then one ran through and charged yep. it and hit it. Now all of a sudden they wrestled off the crocodile Ew, and yeah. the lions uh, just because one did something and it gave the encouragement to yep. others to come along because in bullying, I think it's like 90 or 89% of 86% of the time. 86% of the time someone sees bullying yeah. happening, they say something as simple as, hey, that's not kind. Yeah. Now that normally stops, that, stops yeah. that bully in the first five, 10 seconds. You had an interesting perspective because you said something about pity. You would have pity on the bullies. I've heard yeah. you say that in the past. I have. You know, it, it's, you know, the thing about this, the thing about bullying and the thing about repressing others is the mindset behind that. Mm. That's that's a sorry mindset. That's a that's like that that is a that is kind of like one of those if you have to put your authority on other people, that's pretty pitiful. It's like that's that's pretty sad that you live in a life that the only power that you could feel is is overpowering a stranger. Like that, that's something that's kind of sad if you, if you look at it as a whole, because that person in his daily life is having that probably done to him in some category or another. And that's the only way this dude can, or this girl can express themselves, you know? And and I think that's, it's, you kind of have to have a little pity and, and be, be that stronger individual that uh, yeah, you know, you may not be physically stronger than them, or or the abilities to to do whatever it is that they're saying that you can't do. Yeah, you may not be able to, but they have the abilities to do everything else and more. Yet this is all they can muster. Like when 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 you when you, it's it's sometimes a waste on people, and you know it's sad to think about that for some time. But sometimes people waste their lives. Mm-hmm. Through intimidation and manipulation, and just trying to overpower things that that really have no 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 intention. They have no reason to be stepping into that world, right? They have no no other than malice intent. And, and I think, to a degree, when you have bullies, I I feel sorry for them. I feel sorry that that that's your life that you. You have to do this to make you feel better to go home to face whatever it is that you're about to go face. And and I think that that through compassion, you know, compassion is a really big thing um, and a very powerful tool because you can show a little bit of compassion to someone and change their life forever. And you can show a lot of compassion to some people and it go nowhere. Um, but I, I still think... That uh, if you treat everyone with compassion, no matter how poorly they're treating you, um, it's only going to make them matter. <laughs> and and I mean that you win at that point. Like maybe maybe not physically, um, you may be getting beat, but but if you can, 
I've had some of my favorite moments getting my ass whooped and still smiling. <laughs> and man, and, and and looking back and seeing them and they're like just anger and you're just smiling. <laughs> like it, it's the it's the best way to just piss someone off. Like and 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 like sometimes that's all you can do. And it's either way you you I look at life as you got two options. You can laugh or you can try you can cry. What you gonna pick? I chose to laugh, so <laughs> like I think that's cool of a like for me, martial arts changed my life. Yeah. Um and you were a martial artist too. And so sometimes you can get in those moments where you can uh just embrace the pain and I found that there's there's purpose in pain almost always. Yeah. Um and you can use it as fuel. Or you can use it as something to complain about and, mm-hmm. and, and be tripped up over it. So, I mean, that's, that's, that speaks about your character to be able to smile in a moment of, of. You got yeah. to. Yeah. One of the, one of the times I, so I got stabbed by a roller coaster. Stabbed by a roller coaster. Yeah. Can yeah. you explain that? I'm, it was I'm, in a bad part of town. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I, I was on a roller coaster ride and I, uh, I had metal bar shooting in my arm. And like 360 it and like pull a bunch of tissue out. And it was like a, I'm not going to name the ride because it's a very famous ride and it's still active today. Um, And I was like the the 15th person that got hurt, but I was the worst injury. Um, And, uh, and, and so I I was in this ride and my arm hit and I was like, oh, there was a pinch there, but it's like four G's, right? It's like, so, so. My adrenaline's up. I'm doing it. I'm doing at least like three, four G's of centrifugal force. And the ride stops. And the 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 velocity comes out, Oof. hits the people behind me. Uh. And uh, it didn't hurt. It didn't hurt at all. Um, what hurt was is when they had to dig into my elbow. And, uh, and all I could do was just sit there because they can't x-ray or anything because they're like maybe there's metal in your arm right so they're doing the tweezer thing and digging around in it and all i could do is listen to comedy podcasts and just sit there and and just do my best to to laugh (laughs) yeah what's what's one of your favorite comedy podcasts oh a lot of podcast listeners in the room podcasters well oh why you gotta put me on the spot like that's this? okay? <laughs> I, uh, you listen to Rogan. I listen to Tim Rogan. I, like, I listen yeah. to Rogan. I listen to okay. um. I listen to the Laugh Factory has a podcast. Listen oh, yeah. to a few few comedy stuff. Yeah. Um, random random yeah. stuff on Spotify. You know for sure. Yeah, yeah. Amy, uh, Amy's been quiet back there. Normally, I have her involved in almost every episode. Are I you know, able to I'm speak back from here. back there? <laughs> What's that? What? Are you back there? I am back here. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have anything for that that's come up during this conversation for RJ? Um, a couple things. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I really liked when you talked about your therapy and folding the towels because I think we overlook like simple ways to do things so many times. Even just compassion and stuff. You know, it's like we can keep things pretty simple. Yeah. And that just struck me. I thought that that was really beautiful how you did that. And so um, that's not even a question. I just like, <laughs> I mean, do you find that in your daily life? Like diff- different ways to just simplify things to. Yeah. Uh, like even, even right now, 
um, like my posture, my my hands, like how I hold my how I hold my hand. So so my CP, I I don't really mostly now affects my um my left hand. So like got this. I mean I can if I think about it, it's a little stiff, you know. But like I can I can I can work it, and my my feet mm-hmm. will kind of when I'm really tired. Um, my, my feet will want to drag and stuff and I got to pick it up, pick them up. Um, I'll sometimes wear heavier shoes, mm-hmm. um, like, like heavier stuff that, that like, not, not just, um, not like weights or anything, but just heavier garments to make it where my body has to kind of use like extra, um, extra weight to, to think about it. Um, you know, talking, like talking to you now, like, like, like diction and, and, and having the phonetics to be able to like sound elegant and proper and not throwing y'alls in there. And <laughs> you can throw y'alls in there. Throw, throw, throw We're in up. Austin, Texas. Throw, you like say y'all. all y'all. All y'all. All y'all. All y'all. <laughs> started off. Um, well, it sounds like a lot. That sounds like a lot. Yeah. To be conscious of all the time, so, but but so, so I guess you get used to it. You you know, but you get used to it, and and you learn how to be conscious in your daily life. And this isn't just you know, you, I I learned it from having CP, right? But I think it's something that we should all be more conscious of is our body and and the awareness of our mm-hmm. body because your body says a lot of things to you that you don't really know about you know when you're when you're sick yeah you're like oh i feel like this but like if if your abdomen and and your legs or your joints or whatever it may be those actually can mean very specific things we have doctors in the room right Mm -hmm. that that know if you're talking about certain things that can probably only be one thing that's happening to you i mean there's millions of things but specifically like certain things so if you're listening to your body and you're conscious of your body, um, you can you can really hear what your body needs. And your brain doesn't always tell you what you need. Your brain tells you what you want. You know, your body will tell you you need water. You need you need food. You need this. You need that. Or you are going to die. <laughs> like, <laughs> like we we have these things that we don't think of. And normally, most people are like when they open a door. Right, you just open the door. You just walk through it. For me, I have to grab the door, open the door, and then and then go through it. So it's a, it's it's a conscious effort because my brain and my body are kind of individualized. Um, but that's actually a lot more common than most people realize of this of this disconnection. But we just go through these habits. And and our our daily regimen is a habit. Our our way that we drive is a habit. Like we we have these things that are just naturally occurring in our everyday life. That our posture is a, is a great is a great example of how you sit. Not changing the gotta, gotta switch it up. <laughs> um, posture is a great example of 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 reading. And, and as an actor, our job is to read body language, right? But so how you hold yourself, how you place your feet, how you do this, um, what makes the psychology about it is the habit of how you hold your body. Mm. And so being conscious of these things, 
um, we can work on making our body stronger, making our mind stronger. And, you know, it's very simple, like folding towels. Um, one of the other things was, um, I would do grains of rice and like, and mead my hands in rice, um, because it was easy to grab and you could, you could work all the dexterity and your fingers out pasta, hot and cold noodles to get different sensations through the nerves. Um, you know, putting a key in a door. You know, we, we take that for granted, but there are people that can't like that's, that's actually like a, 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 a thing that if that takes to put a key in a door, it takes fine gross motor skills. It takes hand-eye coordination and it takes, um, physical attributes because you got to pull the key. You got to find the key. You got to stick the key in and turn it and then turn the handle and pull the door. So in that itself, has a lot of therapy but we do it every day what would make that so special what would make that unique finding someone who can't Mm. and working on that one of the things that we work with uh, one of the organizations we work on getting people self-sufficient one of the groups I, i work with is how what what is you're a 22 year old kid with a disability who's never lived by himself, who's always been at home, who lives at home, what do you want to do? You want to go live in your own house. You want to go live in your own apartment. You want to be able to go to school and not have your mom there, not have your dad there, or have a a group of nurses following you, right? You want to be able to live your own life. And so how how do you do that? By training kids and, and really by, by 14, 13 years old, training them how to get through the door, how to maneuver their chairs, how to, how to get in and out of their chair, how to, how to do things that, that they're going to have to do on their own eventually. You start young and by the time they're at the age to be able to do it, they can live independently. Uh, a lot of people don't get that luxury. A lot of people don't get that training. And a lot of families don't see how simple it is to do that because they. a lot of people want to provide for their kid, right? You have a kid in a, in a chair. You're like, you want to you wanna make sure that he has or she has the best way, right? To, to go through anything. So a lot of times people overcompensate. And then we get complacent and we allow our disability or whatever physical challenge may be to overpower that. And, and sometimes we just need to let from a distance watch, but let them figure out how to maneuver their life. And, uh, and that could be very simple things. I love that. We lose sight of it and can lose sight of being present and just like all of the all the simple things that we can do. Mm-hmm. So it's beautiful. I'm really inspired by who you are, just the man that you are because of how you have had a mindset from early on and maybe some of the family foundation, you know, just wanting to help others. And I've heard you say it before, like life's a fight, you know, life's a fight. And for, for the best fighters, they always have a great game plan, you know? And so to, to, 
find the best coaching or therapy or I'm just swinging for the fences. Swing for the fences. Bite down on the mouthpiece. Swing for the fences. Melaying it. Going for the ear. Hope you land right on the button. (laughs) Yeah. Well, (laughs) that actually gives me a great segue. I might have, if we have a mic that the could pick up someone in the audience, I might have someone share something because we are swinging for the fences this weekend. Uh, And I I wanted to share this story with the room, um, but I, I really want you to be able to hear it. Um, there's a doctor in the room, Dr. Dave, uh, Frank and from Walden dental here in Austin. There's also a great friend of mine named Chris Murphy. And, uh, I'll be sharing this story on my podcast, maybe in more depth sometime soon, but I'm, I'm trying to see cause the lights on me. Do we have a mic over there right by Dave? Uh, actually who, who should we start with? I think maybe we start with, with Chris, uh, Chris, Chris is a guy I met at on it. Um, but Chris, how did, how did we get put in touch? Um, and this is pretty surreal for me. I'm just making the connection, uh, with some of your struggles in the movie that he was, I mean, the TV show, the series, I mean, you and I both Chris have struggled with addiction. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was a fan of yours well before the, the Rogan podcast, but, um, I guess the way we really got connected was Justin's most recent podcast on Rogan. Um, I was actually walking to go take my life. Luckily, I didn't attempt it. Um, but I was on the Brooklyn Bridge ready to jump off. And um, through that episode, I decided to not. And I messaged Justin when I was 1,500 miles away in Manhattan while I was taking a nice bath at Amy's. And um, he actually stopped and shouted out my name, which I couldn't believe. And I thought that would be the end of it. But um, about two and a half weeks into me living in Austin, he walked by me at a, uh, a group workout we all do together. Well, just, just from my perspective there, you, you, uh, I, I was working out. We, we were, we were all exhausted. It was a hard workout that day on it. Who sponsors this yeah. podcast, but I heard feet running up on me. And so I turn around and look and it's Chris running up and he gives me the biggest, sweatiest, <laughs> longest hug. And I was there for it, but it was, it was long and it was sweaty. Uh, but you're welcome. But, but uh, <laughs> thank you. All of a sudden I heard I'm the guy. I'm the guy. And, uh, I think I told you what I say. Yeah. yeah, You got to help me out there, buddy. Elaborate (laughs) for me. What's, what's that mean? And you said the Brooklyn bridge and all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God, because I knew what that meant. He had, he literally walked a hundred blocks, uh, from what a hundredth to the Brooklyn Brooklyn bridge. So Brooklyn bridge blocks down and then cross town. And when you say you were thinking about it, like you went in January in short sleeves, uh, because if the fall didn't kill you, the, the cold water would, cold water would, and you actually were up on, you had thought about or got up on the planks. I, Is that right? I wasn't, I didn't walk across the, um, the actual metal beam across the cars. If anyone knows the Brooklyn bridge, you got to walk across a metal beam, stand on the edge and go. Um, but I had stood up on the metal beam. I had it made my way across the street. Yeah. Um, and so, man, whenever he reached out, cause you had said that earlier, yeah. um, whenever you're at the the school, someone maybe have told you that they were suicidal. Um, man, to actually, for, for just from my perspective, like you never know the person that you're going to impact or you, sometimes you don't get the opportunity like we have to yeah. be able to meet some of those. When I was on Rogan's show, I was thinking like, oh man, 
abort mission, like abort. Yeah. Like I wanted to go on there and be authentic, genuine. This was my ninth time on the show. Yeah. And I was thinking like, I've got to share the darkest time of my life. For just some reason I felt prompted to do that. And then as I started doing it, the, you know, angel on my shoulder saying, you know, if it's just for one person, but the devil on my shoulder saying backpedal, stop. Yeah. Joe's a donor. He's a friend. <laughs> yeah. These are going out to a lot of people. But I just yeah. thought like, if you could just help one person. So I got to tell Chris, like, man, you're my one. You're the one person that I was hoping that this, yeah. this would impact. But the, the story goes on beyond that because Chris, thank you so much for, for yeah. sharing. Um, I'm really glad you're here. Same. I'm glad to be here. I'm glad we've all overcome that. Yeah, yeah we can. Uh, but then Jason, I don't know if Jason's in the room, but Jason is actually. Grab the mic real quick. I, I went into a, a drug rehabilitation center the very next day. All right. And I share my story. And you think, is this going to matter? Is it going to help somebody? Yeah. And there's a videographer there for the the rehab recovery unplugged. And you came up to me almost like. Would you say almost like Chris did? You ran up on me? Oh, probably probably a little bit faster because... Um, so, Hold that up to your mouth just for the listeners. So yeah. so Justin was telling his story and then he was talking about Chris at, at our treatment center, Recovery Unplugged, here in, uh, here in Austin. And a couple of days before that, I got together with Dr. Frank here. And, you know, we we kind of wanted to get together and help people in recovery. And he was going to do my teeth because I have some issues, but he was just like, no, man, let, let, let's find somebody who really, really needs it. And I was just like, okay, okay. So we just, we just started doing some work. We didn't know how this was going to turn up. And then I wasn't even supposed to go to work that day. And then Ryan Spencer, who works for Recovery Unplugged as well, called me. He's like, Justin Wren's going to be here speaking for the clients. Can you come in, bring your camera? And I was like, he just put up a fucking iPhone. You know what I mean? Like, do you really need me to come and bring like the 4k camera? He's just like, dude. And I'm like, you know what? You're fine. Yeah. I'm going to, I'll come. I'll come. Cause then I heard it was you and I was like, yeah, cool. I'll come. So well, I get there and you're telling the story and then you start, somebody starts talking about his yesterday. Right? Yeah. 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 And then you're if you about vulnerability and synchronicity, he wanted to be an MMA fighter. And then all of a sudden the next day, he got vulnerable the day before. The next day, I'm in there with my boxing coach, my sponsor, my sparring partner, uh, who's also in recovery. Yes. And then he heard about synchronicities that day. Yeah. And Black, Black Sheep was a huge part of putting this whole thing together, to yeah. Black Sheep Boxing. So, um, yeah. So so then he and that start spurred me talking about Chris because yeah. I wasn't going to just share Chris's story. So then he starts talking about Chris and then, you know, he's telling the whole thing. And then he tells the story about him getting his teeth knocked out. Mm. And I'm just like. I think I, I got to check the footage, but I hear, I think you hear me behind the camera go. <gasps> and then like, I look at you and I'm just like, oh my God, okay. I need to talk to this guy afterwards. You know, I need to talk to this guy afterwards. So then you tell the story and then, you know, of course everything ends and everybody crowds around you and needs to talk to you for a few minutes. And I get that they're the clients, you know, it's all about them. So I'm like, I, but I, I felt like uh Rocky and Adrian after the fight in the first one, when I'm like trying to get to you, but all these people, and then I get pulled, yeah. I get pulled away for some work stuff. And then I'm like, okay. And then I see out the window, you're almost at your car. And I'm like, all oh, ass behind you. Like, hey, hey, hey. And so out of breath by the time I get to you, I'm just like, did he get his teeth back? And you're just like, what? Dude, you got it. You got to give me more. And I'm just like, yeah. one second. Did that kid, Chris, get his teeth done yet? And you're just like, no, that just happened. And then I was like, 
me and Dr. Frank were just, that's how quick I got my, yeah. my breath back. Uh, me and Dr. Frank were just talking about like trying to help somebody out who, who really, really needed it. And I, I called Dr. Frank, I'm like, give me one second. Let me call Dr. Frank just to see if it's cool. Cause the last thing I want to do is fill somebody with false promise or hope, you know? Right. So I called Dr. Frank, who usually is a really hard guy to get a hold of. <laughs> And he picked up the phone and I'm just like, I, I, I think I found the guy and he was like, all right, so, so let's get this thing moving. And yeah, you know, well, it's been incredible to see because this has been a joint effort from so many different people. And, uh, what's crazy is Dr. Frank, I want you to share a, real quick. And then I, but I have a message somewhere. Actually, I'm losing it. Uh, but there was the message of that I sent to all my friends because we went to, we wanted to surprise Chris and we decided to uh, do it at a workout where Chris and I had met and the workout is an, a beast of a workout, but we invited uh, Dr. Dave because he's an Ironman athlete. So I could kind of disguise him in there, bring them, bring them in there. And I had them actually pair up and work out together. Dr. Frank was holding Chris's ankles while he's doing pushups. He yeah. doesn't even know he's about to get, uh, some dental work just gifted to him in a That's donation. Awesome. Yeah, Dr. It, Frank. It was a long 72 hours with this project yes. here and how to get it together um, with going through the workout. And then, you know, Chris, not only doing the workout, but then having to be the patient to go through 15, 16, 17, 18 hours of dental treatment over the course of two days. Hmm. I mean, there were plenty of moments where I felt like I, I needed to stop on his behalf, but to, to get that all completed, um, you know, the concept of all of this working together, I never thought that I would be sitting here today in, in front of any of you. Um, and, and how much I've been inspired over the last, oh God, number of weeks here as I've gotten to know Justin a little bit better, but there was a really important message in this podcast about why I want to do this larger project of helping those recover and getting their dignity back. Mm. And it was what was said by Mr. Mitty here on the catastrophic loss of community. Mm. What happens to why we're homeless? What happens to why we're in, in drug addiction? And for all the Austinites in here, May 11th was a big day of when we went to vote about what to do with basically urban camping. And there's a lot of Austinites that were complaining about this, but we're not doing anything really about it. And we're waiting for either the local or state or federal government to somehow eradicate all these issues. It's not going to happen. And, you know, when you have that catastrophic loss of community, it, you, you need something to reach on to. We're all social animals. And you made such a clear point of like, even though this community may be killing me, at least it's something I have. And what we're trying to create also with Recovery Unplugged and and with my abilities as a dentist of when we can catch those people to say, hey, maybe this community I'm with right now isn't the healthiest thing for me. I want to come back to normal society. Well, a lot of us in here, whether or not we know it and whether or not we would admit to it, we are kind of bullies to those that are, that are going through recovery because you look a certain way. You know, we, we want to be able to to reindoctrinate ourselves back into society. But if you have all of these stigmas and all of these scars of of your of your past life, despite the fact that you want to be re recovered, the normal you know society is not going to be welcoming you with open arms. 
And when you want to go for that first job interview again, when you want to have that presentable look and you have these scars and underneath your lips and behind your lips, I mean, I totally understand why you don't want to lose, lose that one community that won't judge you. So when we're, go ahead. You know, well, I was going to say, uh, you, you really, it hit me. Well, one, I probably didn't do Chris's story justice whenever it's like, this guy worked on wall street. Um, he, uh, had lost some teeth in addiction after he lost his job and COVID hit and all these things, but he also got jumped by seven guys and a baseball bat to his, to his face a couple times. Was it metal baseball bat? Yeah. And it was, he was in ICU and we've seen those reports. And after seeing Chris, when I met him on his first day, uh, my first day seeing him at the gym, it was your one month sober the very next day. I got to watch him progress yeah. and him wanting it and us working out together side by side. And Dr. Frank, as I met him, he had told me something that could probably relate even to breaking bad, but remember the bike, the color of the bike, uh, bicycle. Yes. Can you share that? So this was when I was looking to purchase one of my first, you know, road bikes when I was getting to like triathlon of training and racing. There was a color of a bike at one of these bike shops. And, and this was actually in Fort Worth at the time. And the color of the bike was referenced as meth mouth green. <laughs> <You're so awesome. laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to, to to where that 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 effect that what that drug can do to you and what can do to to the teeth and, and yeah. maybe not even so much that drug it's the it's the life that comes with the drug yeah yeah and how quickly it can rot things away and in I guess to come back full circle on the silver lining of what I'm sitting right here next to with Chris when I first met Chris on Thursday I had no idea what to expect with his teeth. And in the beginning, you know, when, it, when, when we, we, you know, the, the show was, well, the workout was wrapping up and I could finally expose who I actually was. And then we were, we were in Ladybird Lake, all, all God, it felt like 50 of us there. And I pulled Chris side a little bit. I said, Hey, could you just open for me just so I could know what I was getting into? And, and at that moment, I mean, I had a real pucker moment of like, Oh, can I really pull this off here? And to do this all in two days and to do this on camera with the five or six cameras in there the whole time in this 10 by 10 operatory. And when you're talking about perseverance and, and this has been a huge life changing moment for, for me as far as, you know, being able to do that type of dentistry and all these moments where I'm like, why do I keep going all these courses? Why do I keep doing all of these things? And to put all of that together in that span of a short time, Chris looks like a totally different person. Yeah. I can't recognize the two people from what I met on Thursday to what I'm sitting next to here today. Yeah, he had nine teeth. And uh, it's congratulations, just, Chris. Unbelievable, uh, Chris. He got 60, I think at least $60,000 worth of dental work in two days, 18, 19. Uh, I feel well, you. I feel you. I had 14 root canals done over two days. Wow. That was miserable. I took a, med <laughs> yeah. I, I took a medication that, that hollowed my teeth out. And, and so, but, but you know, the power of a smile, I, I, I don't, people really take it for granted. And as you're talking about when you're going into that work and not just drugs, but just in general, the, the power of like, of, a, of, of your, your teeth, your smile, like, like having that. Um, makes a really big difference in your everyday life. Um, and, and, you know, when you see it, 
Like when you when you're able to feel yourself and look yourself in the mirror and mm. smile. Cause like sometimes a lot of people don't like what they see. And and it's not because of anything other than just sometimes people just don't brush their teeth. Sometimes you just don't have that regular grooming. And we take that for granted sometimes. And I, I if you ask my family, my family will tell me my feet stink all the time. I like they're like, yo, you gotta fix that. And um and like it's it's true, and they build that self con uh, that that like yo I'm not gonna take my shoes off in here because it's gonna knock everyone out. But like when you when you're able to like smile and be comfortable with it, and and it changes your life, it changes everything about you and how you're perceived. And and we don't we 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 see ourselves from one side of a coin, but you see the other side of the coin. And and being able to provide that opportunity, it, it's life it's life changing things, and, and I'm very happy to be here today mm. to see that that not just you're affecting one lives, but but many lives and everyone who's watching. And I'm very honored to be here. Yeah, we really appreciate you being here. And um, we had talked about doing a quick Q and A uh, with you, um, but. Maybe if someone has like uh, at AA meeting, sometimes we call it a burning desire. Uh, if anyone has like this question that you just really wanted to ask RJ, um, maybe uh, maybe you could just grab the mic or someone hand it over to him, and uh, we could we could ask him one one question before we end up wrapping up. But man, I'll tell you, how was that two days of dentistry? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I did want to say something to RJ. Here you go, Chris. Yeah. I didn't want to keep going. No, um, you're good. But yeah. uh, that catastrophic loss of community. This morning is uh, my first time. You know that that workout at on it, and sometimes at Zilker Park. It's you know it's pretty much a lot of Greek gods. There's a lot of beautiful people in here, and I can tell you that if I hadn't had this done, the entire time my head would be down. Um, I wouldn't have spoken to anyone as I did before. Um, I wouldn't have met anyone cool. Um, over the past three days alone, I've had five people reach out to me, both from the workout and one from Black Sheep Boxing that are like, hey man, not only can I relate to you, but you just, you know, I want to get some coffee with you and you elaborate more so you can help me because I'm struggling myself. And uh, I would have never had the guts to stand in a ring next to Justin and and speak like that. And, um, you know, this morning for the first time going to the gym, I had a smile on walking around the whole place. Every person I met was like, okay, so this guy's out of his mind, but it's just because he's in everywhere I go. But you're right, man. Um, you know, and I, I really appreciate everything you said. You said a lot of powerful stuff and you are a true overcomer, man, because that mental mind state, um, the way that you carried yourself through life, that was that was incredible. So it's not an, it's not a really a question, um, but you gave me a lot of strength today. So thank you, man. Well, yeah, thank, you. Yeah. thank you. Thank you. Know, Chris, um, I, I, before we go, I, I'm, I'm really proud of you, Chris. I am, uh, you look like a new man. Amy said you are handsome and you are, uh, you know, when I met you, it. you did have two, two top teeth and three bottom teeth, but you had had nine knocked out by that baseball bat. And this transformation is one of the most radical medical miracle, modern, modern day medical miracle to me. Um, seeing that in front of my eyes, uh, seeing the, employees getting off work and coming yeah. back with their children just so they could see the reveal of his smile and their 
them them crying and Angela from Venezuela, who I nicknamed Michael Angela because she was sculpting the teeth <laughs> and crying as she was doing it. Um, it was one of the most really cool moments to be part of. Also, Raiden, you being here uh, for my podcast launch, Justin Brown, all you guys being here and us being able to support you, RJ, um, and you encouraging us like you're an inspiration, my man. Oh, it's it's a pleasure, you know. Um, what we're trying to do is just exactly what y'all are all trying to do and, and that's just be able to take day by day and enjoy our days, enjoy what we have. And, you know, we're very lucky in our positions to be able to have people like you that feel inspired that feel that they they can they can take what we have and the knowledge that we're we're trying to give and grow from that and and hopefully like in the future surpass us surpass what we do grow past what what we were able to give y'all and have the conversation with and, and really be able to to make this world a better place because we need people like you. We need people with this mentality. You know, there's a lot of people in this world that that live a very sheltered life. And I'm, I'm <coughs> excuse me. Um, I, I feel um, what we have, and and you know, some people say it's it's damaged, but it's actually knowledge. It's power and, and these types of experiences for better or worse that, that molded us, that put us in the position of whatever it may be, po- again, positive or negative, um, that type of insight, that type of awareness and that type of willingness to um, have the outreach and because you're, you're, gonna, you're not just going to leave here today and it's just going to be you. You're going to leave here with your family and your community, and 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 by all of us being a witness, you're going to find that person that was you a year ago, that was that was you five years ago, and and your experience is going to be like, I recognize this person, and I know what to do mm-hmm. to change that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's great to be again. It's great to be here. I love that. Thank you so much. Yeah, if we can, if we can just impact people to where our our what ceiling becomes their floor. Yeah. Wow, that's a way to do it. And so to hope, <laughs> to hope. Yeah. And man, I I appreciate you guys for being here. Let's all thank RJ for being here today, and thank you guys all for being here today. We have plenty of on it supplements at the end uh, out there in the mocktails. Uh, thank you, Hot Pie Media, for sponsoring this event um, so that any donations 100% go to the cause. Um, if you like this podcast, you can like it, follow it, subscribe, rate, review. That will help this grow. This is our launch day and our first ever live recording, learning on the go. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I really appreciate everyone uh, so much. Amy, do you have anything? Yeah, I just wanted everybody to like maybe take a breath for a second and just send a good collective energy to what Justin's trying to do. His goal is to have the most meaningful podcast in the world. And I just feel it. And if we can all just imagine that, because just like RJ just said, you know, we're lifting up these stories, like your story, Justin's story, Chris's story. These stories are so important and it can surpass us. You know, if we keep putting these things out in the world like you are, Justin, if we keep doing that, it can make the world a better place, just like RJ just said, you know, and um, I just wanted to emphasize that and say you're doing a really great thing, Justin, and 
if we can all just put our energy toward that. I think that's a really beautiful thing. So please do share it too with friends or let people know that this is something good that we're putting out in the world and, and hit it with a hashtag overcome with Justin Wren and just keep, keep it growing. Yeah. Thank you so much, babe. I love yeah, you. I love you and, too. Uh, my mom and grandma's here. I think we'll have a little, we'll have a little, I didn't hear that part. I just said, thanks for having me on it. Yeah, too. absolutely. Happy I couldn't have a better producer. Um, and yeah, we're going to ha- have a little, we'll, we have to be out of here at three. So we got like 30 minutes to hang out. Uh, and so no rush, but uh, for anyone listening, you have overcome a hundred percent of your darkest days. Now it's your opportunity to go shine that light and share that love that you have inside of you. Thanks so much. Rise up, overcome. Thanks for being here. Whoa. 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 RJ Mitty. What a man. What an inspiration. I mean, for someone with cerebral palsy to, I mean, we didn't bring up the picture that I, I had queued up there uh, live, but mm-hmm. the picture of him with all the supermodels, him with his shirt off, hair flowing, looking like a rock star. <sighs> but that's who that guy is mm-hmm. to inspire so many, whether it's people who have cerebral palsy or if it's people that, you know, he's he's done stuff at the Paralympics, commentating, promoting. Um, but I think we could relate RJ to also our first guest, Nick Santanastasso, who says, if you haven't heard that episode, please go watch it. Our first one we ever released, you know, the greatest disability is a bad mindset. And both these guys embody the type of person that it takes to overcome daily obstacles, the therapy that he would go through that would be painful in having to try to do physical therapy on his feet just so that he would be able to walk, you know, um, that is an incredible feat and we can, that's an incredible feat. I know oh, feet. Yeah. <laughs> He's got incredible feet, but it is an incredible human feat to be able to come become such a high caliber actor. Um, whenever he's having to, you know, what we're hearing, he thought about 10 seconds earlier. Yeah five, 10 seconds earlier. So he is orchestrating that in his mind, which is another thing that, that the average person doesn't have to deal with, but he does on a daily. And what an inspiring guest, what a incredibly funny guest Mm -hmm. to be able to make pretty much everything funny, pretty much everything funny. He felt, I think he said something about that being your options, you know, you can be serious or like lighten up. And I agree with that. And, and to have the skill that he has in the episodes of such a heavy series in Breaking Bad and, and some of the other shows, the movie Oak Room or mm-hmm. The Oak Room, and to be able to go to the depths of that well it takes to express that human emotion of pain, of suffering, of anger, but to be as lighthearted and funny as he is. I mean, that's a wide range. That's a, that's a, that's a skill. That's a talent. I just, I think it goes to, to exemplify or, or, or highlight the kind of person that he is. So I hope that you were inspired on this episode. I mean, it's a good overcomer trait, you know, letting it roll off you Yeah, and being able to laugh and Mm -hmm. being able to look at those bullies or look at those people that, um, 
were mean or had gave you a hard time and and being able to just feel sorry for them essentially right yeah absolutely i yeah. agree with that um you got to roll with the punches yeah you got to be able to roll with the punches because life is going to hit you in the face sometimes mm-hmm. uh not always and you can bob weave you can you can you can counterattack sometimes but sometimes you're going to be knocked to the canvas and you got to get back up you can choose to stay there you can rise and yeah. overcome and so that's what RJ has done time and time and time again. And that is what you can do time and time again. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if you're in your darkest days right now, but uh, you have overcome hundred percent of your darkest days and the best is yet to come. This is just the tip of the iceberg and a great life is awaiting you. We have some things uh, in house. Uh, we, we have this incredible art that uh, my friend Doug drove down from Boston, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. To Austin, Texas. He sure did. From Boston to Austin just to deliver this so that I can be inspired and that I can invite Mike Tyson onto this show. Mm-hmm. I've been on Mike's hot boxing and we had a very emotional, uh, heavy podcast together. I shared about bullying. He shared about bullying. Had you met him before you went on that show? Uh, we had been in the same, I think briefly. Um, we had, I mean, yes, briefly, but never went deep. Mm-hmm. You know, we were never in an environment where we could actually talk about life and we did. And I had a h- incredible response from that. I still get messages two years later, uh, that I, I think I got one literally a couple days ago that someone found my story through hot boxing. So cool. And so Doug said, what if we use this painting? Because Doug has a crazy following on, on TikTok. TikTok. He's at Doug Does Art. Yeah. D-O-U-G Does Art. Uh, he is the person and you as well, Amy, encouraged me to get on TikTok. I think I've posted twice on there. And so it's just far you posted twice. That's okay. Yeah. yeah. You're on TikTok at over, what? Overcome Podcast? Overcome Podcast. Overcome Podcast. I'm at the Magic Babe. Yeah. If you want to find me. But yeah. But uh, Doug. Overcome Podcast. You're coming along. You yeah. know, well, I, bet well, you'll, I bet you'll get a lot more now. Sure. Well, the, uh, that's fine with me. Doug wanted me to start it so that he could post the video of him painting this pointillism, uh, pointillism Mm -hmm. and to be able to invite Mike Tyson on the show. And the idea behind this painting is we're going to scratch off part of the points so that Mike can sign it when he's here in studio with us. And I'm at least extending the invitation and, uh, uh, Doug's TikTok. Some of his videos have 68 million views or 27 crazy. million yeah, views. His most recent one, at least when I'm looking at it right now, right now has 18.6. Like it's crazy. 18.6 million. Wait. Oh no. That that's is thousand. Wild. I can't read. No, uh, no, but there's one. Here's one right here with 5.3 million. I mean, it's wild. Yeah. It's, it's, it's incredibly inspiring. Art. He has 1.4 million followers on TikTok. Yeah. Doug it's, Montiero. it's really cool to watch Doug do what he does. And for him to come to my boxing gym, do it in the ring. Uh, and let me invite Mike on and him promoting that on, on his big platform. And he was a really cool guy. He wrote us an email actually to our email overcome podcast at Gmail. I have not read it. So I will read it to you. I will read it to you. Okay. Here he goes. Um, Hey, Growing up training jujitsu and being in a gym, Mike Tyson was always a recognizable name and face. After listening to Justin Rin's podcast on hotboxing with Mike Tyson, I really connected with Justin's story and recognized him as an avenue to create change. I chose to create the painting so that it could hopefully raise money to make a difference and reach people in need in a way that I may not be able to do on my own. 
I connect with the Fight for the Forgotten charity and wanted to be part of something bigger than myself. One of my main goals with my art is to influence change and better the world for others. As we always say in our house, if you don't know what to do, find a need and fill it. Art is something that has been a skill of mine for as long as I can remember. After graduating from college, I made the choice to help my dad create and build a landscape business. It was something I felt I needed to do for my family. We immigrated to the United States from Brazil when I was seven. And since then, it's really been my job to guide my family and help them navigate the United States and the language. This is really the experience of a lot of immigrant children. We become the foundation of our family and it's a blessing and a hardship. About a year and a half ago, I made the choice to leave the business that I created with my dad and become an artist. There was a lot of fear around the choice, fear of disappointing them, fear of not being good enough, fear of rejection. The fear has been something that's always held me back, (laughs) but I was done backing down from fear and chose to follow my own dreams. Much to my surprise, I was completely supported by everybody closest to me. Overcoming the fear really allowed me to meet my most authentic self and recognize myself as an individual. Now I want to show others how to do that and encourage growth and strength through my art. Listening to Nick's story on the first episode of the podcast was so powerful. Even though our stories are so different, I saw so many similarities in the strength it takes to overcome impossible situations and the resilience that it's required to move through life. It was an inspiring story, and I look forward to hearing more stories about humanity, grace, and strength through the Overcome Podcast Best, Doug. Wow. I know. What a man. I know. What a man to come down from Austin drive to or Boston to Austin drive. Yeah. I can't think of her name. She's and really she, she was, was amazing. Doll. And yeah. to for them to be in the ring painting this and then to to send that follow-up email and acknowledge the podcast, but also let's acknowledge him real quick. Yeah. Because to be a child of an immigrant. You know, when you're young, you're able to learn languages quick. You know that with Gigi. Yeah. Gigi's learning languages and fluent in, in, uh, in, French. in French, and she's 12. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for that burden to be put on a, a child, too. I mean, not that the parents are trying to put a burden on them. They're giving their whole family an opportunity. But it does put a lot of weight on a child, and it's a burden. And um, for him to overcome and to be part of a family business, I know what that's like. I had to leave an opportunity for, for, for my parents' business, my, my mom and dad's, at least that's what they wanted for me. At least my dad for sure. But I had to overcome fear say, and say, this is what I'm going to do. Pursue so that, your own path. Yeah. And to see him really do hard it. to do when you have to break out family expectations. Yeah. And I know with an immigrant family, sometimes yeah. those are very, very strong. Yeah. Especially from South America, Brazil and, uh, you know, family's tight knit mm-hmm. and this is what our family does. Yeah. And now Doug does art. Right? <laughs> right. And I'm proud of him. And I'm, I know his family's proud of him seeing, seeing those videos blow up and for him to want to use art to inspire. I think that's what our artists do, whether it's the musicians we know that we're in our ice baths today or, um, you know, Doug and the art he's doing. Uh, if you didn't, if you heard that, that was my, my cap on my water bottle. Uh, but he's really inspiring to me and I'm really grateful that my story impacted him on hot boxing. I'm even more grateful that he's resonated with the fight for the forgotten story. And my goal, the stories that you're sharing on this podcast, that's what I was going to say. My, my goal with this is to make this the most meaningful podcast in the world. We're going to get there. And it, it takes a tribe. It takes support from people like Doug, from the listeners, 
Um, and from the guests that are going to come bring it, bring their best and lay it all out there and have their, I don't know, chin up, shoulders back, heart forward, even sharing some of the toughest times of their life so that we can all know we can overcome. I think it already is the most meaningful podcast in the world. So, so there, there we go. You put (laughs) it all out there. That's right. And, uh, we're going to get there with the help of these listeners. So please leave us a review on Apple podcast. Uh, follow us, subscribe because that helps this podcast grow. We're I think really it's called grateful. Follow now. I don't think is they do subscribe anymore. Yeah, Apple even too. on Apple, it's called yeah. Follow now. Mm. So yeah, follow us um, on whatever podcast platform you listen to. Please rate, review, subscribe. That all makes a huge difference. And share. Yeah, if you share, share these out on social media and you tag yeah. me at the Big Pig Me or Amy at Real Amy Edwards, mm-hmm. uh, we'll make sure that we 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 reshare what you share. Yeah, because uh, that for that helps sure us tag us and helps us grow the impact of this podcast. Yeah, that's what we're and all actually, about. there's a there's an Instagram for it that we just have. You know, yeah, you, we're using it's overcome, overcome podcast. With- is it overcome with Justin? Overcome Ren? with Justin Wren. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> yes. It's overcome with Justin Wren on Instagram. And then if you want to write to us, write to us. I've gotten a few people writing to us, but when you write to us, they didn't tell us the story. They're like, I have a story to share. And I'm like, great. And then they don't put it in there. So we'd love to be able to read your story. So, you know, feel free to write us if you have an overcome story share it with us. Tell us and um, send it to overcome podcast at Gmail. Well, Doug does art. Was it a perfect example? Perfect example. With his email um, and Hickory tree Mm -hmm. farms, apiaries, uh, however you say that, and them donating 10% uh, to fight for the forgotten. So you don't have to be a donor of ours uh, to to write in a story. Uh, That's not who we're given. No, we just want to hear your inspirational story. Yeah, we do. And, and, And what you've had to overcome. Uh, and that, that charges us up you and me, Amy, but any of the listeners. And so that's why we want to share your story. Yeah. Yeah. And do we have any other news that we want to, uh, fight club? Yeah. Uh, so fight for the forgotten. Uh, we have a fight club, our monthly giving club. First rule of fight club is that you do speak about fight club. Not that you don't. It's a play on the movie, but we have, (laughs) if they haven't seen it, some people (laughs) might not have seen it, but you need to watch it because their first rule is you don't speak about fight club. But, uh, you know, I, I, I really am grateful for our monthly donors because that helps us grow in sustainability and know our budget for projects like drilling wells. Um, and for making stateside impact here and building homes uh, over in Uganda. And one day we will be in all eight or nine African nations that the Pygmy tribe is in that I got the pleasure to live with and understand their suffering firsthand and their their obstacles or challenges. Can I just interject that I just started reading your book, Fight for the Forgotten, Hmm. which probably a ton of your fans listening have read. I have not. It's been out what since uh, 2015. Is that when so, it came out? Yeah. I looked at the copyright. I think that was right. It's really good. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to read it's it really like I was good. talking to people, like it was mm-hmm. a conversation. Yeah, and it's great, but it it talks a lot about your life with the pygmies and how it impacted you and just how it all came about in case people are wondering that. Yeah, for sure. Thank you for plugging that. And you're welcome. Also, play, uh, also I put in there my story with bullying, uh, my story with addiction my story with suicide um, and, and yeah, malaria, all sorts of things, uh, challenges, but also some really incredible, inspiring stories along the way of people who helped me. And these little, I call them God winks, these little moments in the universe that help you along the way, 
that if I didn't meet this person, this wouldn't have happened. And if this miracle of the day of the week of the year, uh, you know, fight for the forgotten wouldn't exist. And I do want to thank people who have donated. We've had thousands of donors from all 50 states, um, from 60 different countries. This is becoming a, a, a worldwide movement of, of supporters. And now our ask is just that you join the, the fight club because, you know, the subscription based model, it works and charities are starting to do it. They're starting to catch on. If we get people donating $5 a month, $50 a month, $10 a month, uh, that makes us able to grow our impact. Uh, this world needs it. And, and it feels good to give. It does. It uh, I, I know it's, I run the nonprofit, but uh, I'm the founder, but it truly is. My life is so much better that I give. Um, so now I live to give. I live to love. Well, you give to me all love. the time too. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate that. And then, uh, yeah, just in final words, thank you, Hot Pie, for sponsoring this live recording because it wouldn't have been possible without you. And because of that, we raised over $5,000. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to RJ who made this uh, episode possible. And thank you for everyone that traveled in from out of town. And we, we uh, scrunched you in there like a bunch of sardines. And it worked and people were on meditation pillows the whole time over two hours. And uh, we love you guys uh, for doing that. Please, uh, yeah, go out. Know that you can rise up, overcome. You have survived, overcame 100% of your darkest days. And so go out there with your heart forward. Have some tough skin, but keep a soft heart. Soft, open heart. We love you. Thank you for being here. And please join us next week as well. Hey, don't forget to send your overcome stories to overcomepodcast at gmail.com. And also rate, review, subscribe, and follow Overcome with Justin Wren.